Charlize Theron's Monster, John Lovett's Critic, and Janet Jackson's Boob this week on 302010. Hello everyone and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture breakdown, telling you what happened in the wonderful world of pop culture 30, 20, and 20, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Hello, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I had so many quotes that I was going to go with, and then R.I.P. Norman Jewison. Did he finally die? He did, 97. Wow. 97. In the Heat of the Night, Fiddler on the Roof, Moonstruck, Thomas Crowd Affair, Jesus Christ Superstar, Justice for all, Justice for All, Rollerball. Like, that dude's filmography is insane, and every one of them is watchable. Yes. Norman Uh, Jewison. Such a shame. R.I.P. I did not, not know. One of one of our great Methodist filmmakers. <laughs> not <laughs> actually Jewish. So anyway, he, so he's, he was hired to do Fiddler on the Roof, and then the producer found out he wasn't Jewish. He was like, do you want me to go or not? And they were like, no, 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 no. I mean, it's it, <laughs> yes, I think I probably assumed he was Jewish too, but the, his naming convention, he'd have to be a Jewish Viking. Son of Jew. (laughs) (laughs) And who else is with us? Well, I'm J.R. Rawls, author, visionary, dreamweaver, and actor. You are about to enter the world of my imagination. You are entering (laughs) my dark place. Man, I'm very happy you got to discover something this weekend. That sounds like a ton of fun. I am so excited to talk about it. It's one of those things which I would have never, ever encountered yeah, without 30, 2010, and now I'm like the biggest fan ever. Uh, nice. Uh, well, that, those were teases in case you don't know, and this episode has much better entries than last week's episode, which oh, thank God. Uh, we discussed uh, at length, and I believe at, off mic, if this is your favorite, who said that if this is your favorite episode of 30, 2010, <laughs> or that episode? I Yeah. You know what we did? You can't be trusted. You can't be trusted. Although there is a movie I kind of wish I had moved up to last week yeah because it uh, is thematically fits because it's got sexual assault in it but i'm i'd rather we talk about it here because we're going to talk about two best actress oscar winners yeah yeah that should be fun uh you'll be happy to know i just wanted uh, patreon.com slash laser time is how you can support us five bucks over 100 extra podcasts uh seriously thanks help us we love you just wanted to shout out dave taylor the closest person to give me any information about tech war and that was just one cheesy line Saw an episode, didn't like it, super cheesy, it sucked, someone is kidnapped, a message comes in and someone's like, can you trace it? And the guy gives a super important look, but remember, it's the future. I can. Just give me five to ten seconds. (laughs) Why didn't you just do it? (laughs) Five to ten seconds. You've already talked for five to ten seconds. Oh, my God. Just You didn't even need to say yes. You should have just pulled it up. Oh, tech war. No one knows. You unremarkable cross-media juggernauts. Anyway, moving on. This week we'll be discussing uh, June 22nd through February 1st across three decades, and that might include a Super Bowl if you didn't get that tease earlier. Uh, 30, 2010, that's 1994, 2004, and 2014 throughout the week of January 26th through February 1st. No Groundhog Day for you. So let's begin as we always do in 1994. Uh, Jeff Galuli, don't let his name think this is silly, 
uh, (laughs) pleads guilty for his part in the attack on figure skater Nancy Kerrigan. Plea bargains, confessions to racketeering in exchange for testimony implicating his ex-wife, Tanya Harding. Doesn't this feel like this happened very fast? (laughs) It did because they were terrible at it. But I mean, technically he hired the guys who Mm -hmm. did it, which was why it's racketeering. Even though I feel like, is there a conspiracy instead of racketeer? I don't know. Whatever it is. What Tanya knew and when she knew it is always a question. Mm-hmm. And me. that's what he is saying to this very day. Ooh. Really? Did Tanya Harding know about this plot beforehand? I don't know. The only person that really knows is her and Jeff, I guess would be the same. And, and from what I understand, he's saying she did. She's saying she didn't. You were never in a room with Tanya Harding? Never. You never formally met her? No. No one ever told me this is what Tanya wants you to do. Okay. Woo. Plausible mm. deniability, girl. You're much better at this than Eileen Warnos. Uh, okay. <laughs> what? It's mm. not just a shitty joke. We will be talking about her in just a moment. Uh, well, yeah, that is all the news that we have for 1994. So let's get into the movies because there are a lot of them. Many oh, of them some forgettable. Of these, some of these we need to just breeze through super yeah. fast. Well, one, one of them, there's only one of them that I will go to bat for. That is in the top. Uh, First up, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire is back at number one at the box office. Holy shit. Trouncing everything after two and a half months, three months of release. Yeah. Yeah. Can't stop that Robin Williams movie, man. You can't do it. And uh, so up this week. (laughs) Woman of Desire is a Bo Derek movie. And this time it's got Robert Mitchum in it. It's always who is the overpowered classic actor who shows up and you feel bad for them is Robert Mitchum. This one is more of an erotic thriller, not directed by her husband, John Derek. So that's (laughs) nice. And it doesn't have a former president in it. Um, (laughs) That is my favorite thing of the entire Trump presidency is that if you went to IMDb and put in Donald Trump, it, it would say Donald Trump, comma, actor, ghost can't do it. <laughs> too, not any other bullshit. Yeah, uh, these movies are dumb and uh, disposable and <laughs> embarrassing for everyone. I have nothing to say. Well, the next one is got Forrest Whitaker, Meg Tilly, Terry Kinney, uh, Arlie Ermey, and Gabrielle Anwar in Body Snatchers. This movie rips. It's very good. It, this is what I have heard. This is the third This is version? the third uh, adaptation of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And I didn't know it at the time. It's directed by Abel Ferrara, a very mean dude. Uh, and I, I, it it looked at the time, because this was released on like 12 screens, failed big time to recoup its money. But I saw it on HBO late at night, and it is a more action horror focus, more action focus than the previous two, which are horror movies, low, low budget horror movies. This is... The, the 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 pod people are an army. Why not put it on an army base? It makes perfect sense, and it makes yeah. it makes the threat even more threatening. They scream louder. They kill faster. They kill harder. It is a more aggressive version of uh, the body snatchers. I, but I don't really know. Like, the whole... I, but I like the idea of putting them in the military on an army base yeah. because it's like. Well, this is already a very regimented system. How are you exactly. going to tell when it, they've that, been taken? What do you think's in the bur- Abel Ferrara burger? That's what it, I did. That was sort of lost on me, but it was more action oriented, which is something you really didn't see in the previous two body snatchers. And this is a question for some other podcast, some other time. What movies has three remakes that are all excellent? I don't. Maybe Star is Born. I can't tell you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I never associate body snatchers with like 
action, action, action. Exactly. To me, it's always about the psychological suspense of has this person been taken over by this system? I don't understand. But now, JR, remember that system was talking to itself. Imagine they took over inside of an army base. Would people notice? And now they have access to artillery, should anybody fuck with them. It's a different kind of threat. It's almost most of the, the Body Snatchers movies they uh, from the 1950 original, they function like sequels to one another. So as society advances, adds more technology. They're very, very good, all three of these movies. So, yes, that's all I'll say about that one. Next up, we got Dylan Mulroney, River Phoenix. River Phoenix, he's he's alive. And Richard Harris in Silent Tongue. <laughs> now, this is River Phoenix's last completed role. Uh, it is written and directed by Sam Shepard. And uh, I love me some revisionist westerns, and I could not get through this. This was so slow. Mm. And boring for, like, the basic plot is kind of interesting. It's about, like, oh... My son's wife died, and she he's really sad about it. I'll go get her another one. <laughs> and uh, tries to go buy another wife for him, and it, it, it doesn't go well. Mm. Why is this so boring? We're about to talk about another movie about buying a wife. That's fantastic. <laughs> Silent Tongue, no. Uh, and no, then take a nap, Silent Tongue. Jesus Christ, I'm Even sorry. more obscure, Joan Chen, Matt Dillon, and Golden Gate. Oof. <laughs> I didn't get to this one either, but the reviews were brutal. Mm-hmm. The, Matt Dillon is an FBI agent in San Francisco, and he's investigating like the Chinese community and do they have ties to communism? And it like takes place over decades. But he's also in love with Joan Chen, but also like her, he put her dad in jail. No, oh you. man, not one nice thing to say. Like usually, there's a bad movie or something doesn't work. They're like, well, that performance was good, or the locations are nice. No, no, no one had anything nice to say Great about to Golden see, Gate. See, uh, don't worry. The director, football coach John Madden will bounce back uh, yeah. in just a few years. He will. Well, <laughs> he literally will. Shakespeare in love. Yes. That's him. <laughs> yes. And then I'm going to enjoy this throughout, like, if you've been listening to the show for a while, my trajectory as movie fan. Would you believe, I didn't have this poster on my wall, I had a mobile for this movie (laughs) (laughs) hanging from the ceiling. The problem, Chris, is I do not believe this film exists. It very much does. I was the youngest Car 54 Where Are You fan that existed on the planet in 1994. I watched so much of it on Nick at Night. I was like, wow, I can't believe they're turning that old. Because even in 1994, this was an old-ass TV show. It has the literally the only thing I can attribute it to. Because I remember the show, it, it did it was really good for kids. A two-season show from the 60s? 50s. 50s, 50s. Uh, with Fred Gwynn, Herman Munster, two, co- two mismatched cops, but was very, very good for kids. But the theme song is what was multi- ultra-memorable about the show. There's a holdup in the Bronx, Brooklyn's broken out in fights. There's a traffic jam in Harlem that's backed up to Jackson Heights. There's a scout troop short a child, cruise ships do an idle wild. Car 54, where are you? So cute. And you, you as a little kid, you could shout that at any passing police car. Your mom would laugh, your dad would laugh. Cool. But then, yep. why yeah. remake And that's how I learned what JFK Airport used to be called. Mm. Oh. <laughs> uh, so I was wrong. It's 61. And the uh, lyrics refer 
to Khrushchev, who was premier of the Soviet Union, who had recently visited the United States. <laughs> so th- th- that has to change with a new the new theme song, right? I'm scared. Oh, it's a beautiful day in Brooklyn. Another day of paradise here in the 59. Another day. Okay. This is about all I can endure, a Buster Poindexter. Yeah. But yes, the, the biggest star in the movie is the ghost of Christmas present in Scrooge, David Johansson. <laughs> David Johansson you... of the New York Dolls. Yes. A New York punk fucking legend. Did he get hit on the head? I mean, is that the... why they shot in CBGBs? There is a Ramones performance captured on film forever in CBGBs in this movie. Hello, Car 54, where are you? (laughs) Maybe they were big fans growing up. I have no idea. But I remember ads for this, and then it was like gone from theaters in a day, and I never watched it when it came out. I never saw it on video. And for the show, I looked everywhere. Yeah. You cannot watch this. (laughs) So I, uh, I think it was mildly heightened. Rosie O'Donnell was in the movie. Don't laugh. She's becoming a very, very big star. And I, the movie was shot in 1990. 1990 oh. as a musical and had been slowly edited back to what you see before you. Nipsey Russell is very technically... It's not a C- remake. It takes place later in the Car 54 Where Are You universe. Fred Gwynn is sadly oh no gosh. longer with us. It oh, is, Lord. But Al Lewis was. I saw uh, Al yes. Lewis in the, in the He was in the original. Al Lewis was in the original and lived to be like 180 so yeah oh wow okay 1994 january slash february 1994 now is the the best time for taking a musical and turning it into not a musical because we're going to talk about a legendary one next week that i have been trying so hard to find the musical version of it's out there but it I is? can't find it. Yeah, no, you can't find uh, notoriously uh, skittish uh, business. When I, it comes I know to what you're talking about, and I have to also wanted to find the musical version, but it's just not. Yeah. Okay, we'll, well talk next week. Yeah, Be- well, because it's it's being taken down off the internet by a power even worse than Disney, Prince's estate. <laughs> uh... They're ruthless. They're so ruthless. Okay. We're going to talk about it next week. Let's talk about the heavy hitter this week. A fucking classic. Yes. Uh, a classic. Anna Paquin, Sam Neill, Harvey Keitel, and Holly Hunter in The Piano. The Piano. She came to a new world, to a husband she had never met, and discovered a passion that would change her life forever. The critics are calling The Piano one of the most enchanting love stories ever filmed. A triumph. Winner, Best Picture, Cannes Film Festival, Holly Hunter, Harvey Keitel, Sam Neill, The Piano, The Movie Event of the Year. The Movie Event of the Year. Uh, Yeah, I feel like I'm a bad person to talk about this. I was obviously in a rush to watch a ton of movies, and this is a movie that takes its time. It does. It's not over long, though. It's not like it's a three-hour slot. Because I I came around on Age of Innocence, so it's like... a mature adult story of the unrequited, or is this just movies from a time before women were allowed to masturbate? And <laughs> so both my wife and I watched this because I'd always heard it's this great movie. You got to go watch it. We watched from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Once it was over, I turned to her and I said, I don't know if I liked that. And she turned back, neither do I. So (laughs) (laughs) neither of us can tell you if this is a good movie or not. 
Well, that is one thing I love about it. It is complicated. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's it, it's such a weird high concept story that you think it's based on a book, and it isn't. It's just Jane Campion Jane had Campion. interesting idea, and it's about uh, Holly Hunter is mute. She's a single mom. She's from Scotland. She gets sold off to marry Sam Neill in New Zealand, uh, and she only mostly communicates through her piano. She communicates through music. Uh, Harvey Keitel is a neighbor, becomes enchanted with this takes her piano and she has to buy it back slowly through playing any sexual favors (laughs) and my wife and i weren't sure about this Uh is she also at that same time refusing to have any sex with her husband yes yeah (laughs) not the best strategy for a woman alone with a child in rural new zealand who is mute But, and that's why it's so interesting. It's like, because she's, you think she would, well, Sam Neill seems like an okay guy. We we later see him go kind of mad with jealousy and mm-hmm. he's clearly not an okay guy. He has a lot of problems uh, and he's a colonizer and he doesn't treat the Maori very well. But Harvey Keitel's also like, well, he's starting out with exploiting her semi-sexually then it becomes fully sexually but also he appreciates her in a way sam neil can't mm-hmm. so she does fall in love with him and we don't ever get her point of view we are never inside this lady's head Ooh, now no, she was no no it opens with narration it closes with narration she does not talk the whole well, I think, ass movie, I, think which I would like to point out it's holly hunter. It's holly hunter what do you think of when you think she's a little firecracker she talks real fast yeah. Yeah. I actually want to give this movie credit because the movie is sort of from her point of view and she doesn't speak. And I think that's why it's lauded by the people who appreciate the medium of film. We're showing this. I also this per- think, you know, it opens up all these interpretations. Sure. Apparently she was hit by lightning. Maybe she doesn't have any depth to her. She's just brain damage and she's acting in seemingly kind of crazy ways because she has brain damage. Did you really believe that the story that her daughter sells about that she was struck by lightning while she was singing during a storm? No, come on. but come on. It's a May. very cute story. Yeah, yeah. so maybe Anna Paquin, her mm-hmm. first freaking role, they were looking, for, they had find uh, an actress. They auditioned thousands of them. She is 11 when she wins the Oscar. The only the second youngest winner and please look up her acceptance speech it is so fucking funny because it's really <laughs> clear she cannot catch her breath and she comes up and she's this tiny little thing and she's got a little beret on and she looks so cute and she just stands there going ah, ah. <laughs> and then catches her breath and like, oh what did that do to me it's like, oh it's so cute she's a fucking powerhouse in this Bibbit and a Paquin I mean it was a little bit of a surprise win because people are like ah she's a kid does she know what she's doing she- she is a complicated character. She's playing herself and interpreting the thoughts of her mother. She's right. playing well, like she two roles. To, yeah, she has to speak on behalf of her mother doing sign language. And also she has this very complicated relationship where she resents that. She resents being too close to her. She resents being pushed away. Uh, she resents having to go to New Zealand. She resents Sam Neill. And then she takes Sam Neill's side. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I adore this movie <laughs> um i'm so glad i got to see it on the big screen because it is visually stunning i might be the first time i saw new zealand on film 
I mean, I think that the shot. Well, you definitely saw Young Einstein before that, but no, nope. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> what? How are we and doing a show together? And that's New Zealand, and it's Australia, right? It's both, and it's it's okay. mostly New Zealand. But even like I, I've seen other Gene Campion movies from before this, but I saw them later, and those are mostly shot in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sweetie, and oh, I guess Angel at My Table, I Power think, the shot Dog, in New Zealand. But then Power the Dog was shot in yeah. New Zealand, also pretending to be Montana. It's such a strange movie because there's so many different ways you can interpret it, and they are all completely valid. And it's and- also like feminist, but not, but yes, in a very strange way. Then that it's so much about acceptance and like it's it's about passion and it has a whole bunch of nudity and it is like really realistic nudity. No, it, it, we they used it in my film class to talk about the gays, how women are filmed versus when you finally see Harvey Keitel's cock in this movie. It's it's how a woman would shoot it. I guess I have to do something with this. And <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I just I I had forgotten rewatching it how much I love their their love scenes are very realistic and that they're sort of like the unspoken negotiation of like, well, I'm going to put my leg here and maybe if you oh, you should scoot over. OK, but they're not saying anything. It's just sort of like how it's done. But oh. it's people are naked and that makes it awkward, but beautiful. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's some shots of this I'll I'll never forget. Oh, the shot of the piano on, on the beach is like parodied yeah. to death to this day. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the, the shot of her slowly sinking into the mud with her giant skirts is like, I <laughs> I don't know how they, they put a fan under there. I mean, it is it's so, so just everything about this is gorgeous. And it's so weird that it's Holly Hunter who's known for, you know, being Luma Spitfire and Harvey Keitel, mm-hmm. who is finally like becoming a bigger star in the 90s than he was before. I mean, we had Reservoir Dogs last year and uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Bugsy before that, I think, did pull an Oscar nomination? Don't forget Bad Lieutenant. The last someone. time we saw his penis. Bad <laughs> Lieutenant was the last time I think we saw him and Lil Harvey. <laughs> and Sam Neill made this before Jurassic Park. This, this, they had to work on this for a while. So Sam Neill's has a hell of a year. Yeah. With the two extremely different characters, and um, yeah, I don't know what else to say besides like it's romantic in its own bizarre way. No, it, and there's it feels... so many points where it could just go real fucking wrong, and it doesn't for me. So, no, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I was, I since it's James Campion, the, the what a what a lady must endure then and now. Mm. Please compare. Mm-hmm. I can see. A, a feminist scholarly approach to this I can see a beautiful these these shots are amazing like this movie looks great uh, and treating Carvey Keitel like a fucking sex object is <laughs> jarring because most other movies never do that even when he's young no. he, he's not he's not treated like that so it's it's absolutely fascinating and and if you're like me and look at your phone too much you can forget yeah this is Holly Hunter from Raising Arizona, who talked <laughs> very, very fast and just mm, and she doesn't even emote that much. It's mm-hmm. like all eye acting. Yeah, and you you generally know like oh she you know what she's thinking right now. She's thinking I am pissed or I am happy or I am hesitant. Well, where, 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 were the, where were the Oscars with this, Diana? So uh, Holly down. Hunter and Anna Paquin both win, and I want to say screenplay. Screenplay. Yeah, Jane Campion becomes only the second woman ever wow. nominated for Best Director. Wow. Yeah. Now she's the third woman to win after Power mm-hmm. of the Dog. Rock, rock on. 
uh, yeah, that's where we are with women directors in 1993. It's a good week for it, I suppose. It's and a great week for this. <laughs> yeah, on this show, we got another one. It's a great week. Yeah, the piano. It, yeah, so if you've seen parodies or making fun of it, okay, fine, sure. But please go watch the original. It is... Yeah, you should probably watch it with someone so you can discuss it like JR and his wife could. <laughs> it's uh, streaming free on Pluto in the yep. U.S., so you can watch it for nothing. Uh, yeah, it's kind of indescribable. I think it's kind of a masterpiece. And, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Well, I thought this was going to be – have you watched it more than once throughout the years? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing it in theaters. I think it was an early date with <laughs> <laughs> which was very awkward oh, um, guy. yeah and then um i saw it a couple of years later edited for television oh my goodness uh, which was odd <laughs> and 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 then saw it sometime probably the late 90s and then yeah but i haven't seen it for probably better part of 20 years I actually yeah. sat down and watched it stopped to finish and i was like Kind of expecting it not to hold up. Given another show we're, we'll talk about in just a moment, it, it does feel a little, almost a little odd to see this drop out of the zeitgeist. I feel like this was referenced in so much comedy throughout the next yeah. 10 years, and I haven't heard anybody well, talk about it since. It became like that movie that everyone is talking about, so everyone goes and sees. Mm -hmm. Like, it was a, it made so much money. Yeah. The movie that it does, like, I can't explain. Uh, the Mute Woman with a Piano movie? What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, it it really like grabbed onto people who would not normally go see an indie fern film, mm. and uh, yeah, I I think it it kicks ass. Well, how about uh, so beautiful? I'll give it a recommend just because Diana has been waiting to talk about this for a super long time, and it does have like really a surreal <laughs> feeling. And I sat down and watched it a little more closely than I would have. But acting with the eyes, I love talking about that because it's a good segue to the movie I didn't even see in our sheet because of how much emphasis I put on the piano. James Remar, Aidan Quinn, Madeline Stowe in Blink. You were blind completely. Until six weeks ago, yes. You were amazing. He calls the Blink gritty and refreshing. Joel Siegel says Blink scores as a thriller with a twist. It's a knockout. Blink, rated R. So I just assumed... Piano was going to be our big game, you know, the biggest show in town of this week in 1994. Yeah, and but, this is its wide release date. Obviously, it technically came out in 93. But I, I'm guessing Blink is doing a little better at the box office because it's much more traditional January fair thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Madeline yeah. Stowe. I got, I, someday I, I've been meaning to look up more about Madeline Stowe because I watch 12 Monkeys probably once every two years and like, what the fuck is this woman? Where else? Is, what has she been in to be a star in this movie? Blink. So the pitch is uh, a woman who is blinded as a child gets eye surgery. And by the way, they do not shy away from showing the eye surgery in Yuck. this. And uh, <laughs> I had Lasix done. Mm -hmm. And that's creepy enough when they just slice open it uh, a little bit. Ugh. But when they guck around in there a whole lot, that's that's some yick factor. You have glasses on. Yes, my eyes are really bad. This is, <laughs> this is me with Lasix, is okay, with glasses. glad I didn't do it mm. Yeah. Um, so she gets eye surgery. She can see for the first time in 30 years. Only there's a twist. Her brain is still getting used to seeing, so it shows her stuff that may have happened in the past. What? And so she can okay. never be quite sure if what she's seeing is happening in the moment or happened 
hours or days ago and there's a killer on the loose. So she can't be sure if she's seen the killer in the present or in the past. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, that seems like that, that would be thrown in at convenient times for the plot. <laughs> it is. Wow. How about that? Yeah. yeah, this got, I remember this as being pretty bad, but like the reviews are medium saying like, Mostly, it's an interesting premise. Uh, she plays it really well, and that she's not like a damsel in distress. Uh, you know, she's she's tough. She's coping. She's doing stuff, uh, but then it falls apart at the end. Yeah, like, I can see it. That often. It happens. sounds like I a, a movie's that ending review. that you test to death and ends up getting mm -hmm. ruined. I went into this completely blind oh! Ah, ah, oh. Ah, and uh, didn't know what it was about. So I just started and I was like, wow, is this a serious drama about what it is like to regain your eyesight after 30 years? And then it quickly curves into the thriller genre, just like it. But the first like 15 minutes, I thought, yeah, this is a serious drama. Nope. Blink. Okay. And it made money. It made money. So it's, it's, I think it's only fourth of the box office this during its debut, but it didn't bomb. There's a, a viewing audience of baby boomers who love shit like this. So uh, here's to blink. Back to things we saw. 1994. JR, I guess we got to clear out of this whole segment just for you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> the premiere of the TV show from the movie. You're the only person I've ever heard has <laughs> liked. Babylon 5. <laughs> that is not fair. Babylon 5 it's was true. really, really well regarded in the early 90s. It's true. Deservedly yeah. so. It was really one of the first serial, serial television shows out there where mm -hmm. it was like, this is changing every week. You really need to watch it. You can't just come and go. If you miss two or three episodes, you're going to be pretty lost. It was uh, really well written. Uh, I think the actors are some of the best sci-fi actors at the time. I think the dialogue is really well Special effects do not hold up. <laughs> they uh, wanted to be the first television show to use CGI. Uh, and they were. They were the first television CGI from 1994. And who boy, does it <laughs> not look good in the current year. Um, I, I really hope some mad genius fans out there just redo all the exterior I mean, cgi shots it's one of those things ai could probably eventually do because i do not see why two years three mm -hmm. years max you couldn't just uh up res mm -hmm. all of the exterior spaceships uh shots to be better with ai i don't see why that's not possible in the very near future but this show, you did, you dug the show. But this show, I think it's really good. Uh, there's this line. Let's go ahead and play it. In my dream, I am an old man. It's 20 years from now, and I am dying. My hands wrapped around someone's throat, and his around mine. We have squeezed the life out of each other. The first time I saw Jacquard, I recognized him as the one from the dream. And the Jakar and Londo relationship is one of the best relationships in all of sci-fi. They have such an amazing arc throughout the next series. And uh, those lines come into play so wonderfully five years from now. It's just fantastic. This guy is going to be my enemy forever. 
<laughs> it goes in a way you would never expect, though. Okay. Thing. Um, but uh, this show is very much a child of the 1990s. In this episode, the very first episode, you see very, very clear parallels to the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, to the <laughs> U.S. being the world's policeman and not wanting to be the world's policeman, to fears about an upcoming election with an authoritarian candidate, and fears about civil liberties for minority groups. So, you know, things that are utterly irrelevant in 2024. <laughs> Just like, we've moved so far beyond that. But, uh, but it's really a good show. I really think if you can get past the bad CGI, it is bad. There's no way around it. If you can just think of it as a play, you know, think of yourself as watching a play and just accept that you're going to be able to see the strings on the CGI. So if you'll wish the uh, exterior shots were just a stepladder. <laughs> uh, again, I, how, about, I, how about instead of uh, upresing everything, we turn it into a black box theater? There you go. There you go. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard good things. It's not that I haven't heard good things about it, JR, just not from a human being that I know. It's kind All of right. deep, in the, deep in the recesses of the internet because... It wasn't easy to be a fan of this. What channel is it going to be on, and when is it going to be on? I couldn't find yeah. it. Uh, yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. It, it got done the dirty. You know, from the very start of it, it was pitched, and they said, we're going to make it a TV show. And then they were like, actually, we're going to make it into a TV movie. And then, actually, we're going to see how the TV movie goes. And then, actually, we're going to see how the first episode goes. So they strung them along. There's a lot of drama about if DS9 straight up ripped off this show because Maybe it was eventually. before DS9. Mm. Now you can't trademark what if a space station instead of spaceship? You can't <laughs> trademark that. But there's some serious parallels. Find the YouTube videos if you want to get really in depth. But I prefer this to DS9. I know that's heresy, but I think it's the better show. Granted, Ooh. I watched a lot more of it than I watched DS9. I fell off DS9 in like season two. Um this I, I love this show so much. In the very first episode, uh, Londo lies Londo. and says, uh, "How do you oh, spell Londo?" We, we thought this thing <laughs> was this thing, and throughout the entire series, you you're given lore, but characters lie in this series. And if a character says something, all you know is that the character says something. You don't know if it's a lie or a truth or not. And it's really such an amazing display of early early serial drama in television mm -hmm. big recommend well uh <laughs> let me steer it to this because i just gave up on googling this because it turned up nothing too many times the good life it premieres any information on the good life <laughs> yeah yeah it has uh drew carey in it and wow. it's kind of like his oh like, yeah uh, i did see this it's, the, it's my introduction to drew carey Exactly. It's yeah. most people's introduction to Drew Carey, and this would kind of set him up to his own show down the line. But it's, you know, it's a middle manager in a warehouse in Chicago. I, I don't know what it was. I saw promos. I do remember this. I saw instantly saw promos and like, I like this guy. I'll watch something with him in it. And I kept doing that. But uh, yeah, call it the Drew Carey show. So it's something a little more memorable. Um, <laughs> what, what about something we want to be the opposite of memorable? Bill Cosby is what I'm getting at. Um, he returns to NBC for a series of two hour, a two hour movie this week, which will become a series of two hour movies. The Cosby mysteries named after yep. the man who stars in it, not the name of his character or the mystery they're uncovering. 
<laughs> yeah, this bombed. Thank goodness. Because, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he plays a New York Police Department criminologist who retires after winning the lottery. And hey. then he keeps coming back to solve crimes. Yeah, never, never. Good Lord. the thing Among the things I wouldn't do if I won the lottery. The Superb Owl. I might go there. No interest, really. Uh, Georgia Dome, Atlanta, Dallas versus the Buffalo Bills. Oh, boy. Uh, Round for, two. For the second year in a row. Yeah. See, I'd like to go to the Super Bowl just for the experience of mm-hmm. going to the Super Bowl. But that is not worth $8,600 for that experience of going to the I'll Super I'll go, go you one further. It's not even worth the parking for me to go to this thing. <laughs> so if I can get helicoptered in and I've won the lottery and I've stopped solving criminologist mysteries, then maybe I'll go to the Super Bowl. But not Is today. Is that why Fan Man kept showing up at places? <laughs> he just didn't want to pay for parking? Uh, imagine the parking anyway. out there. Emmett yeah, Smith Cowboys MVP. beat Bills the second time. Yeah, uh, yeah and it's Mel- a- Emmett Smith is MVP. At halftime, we're past the Michael Jackson halftime. is where halftime is supposed to start. It starts getting better, but it's only kind of yeah. there. Rockin' you- Country Sunday with Rockin the Judd, Clint Black, Tanya Tucker, and Travis Tritt. Now, that is a great lineup. It is if you if, if you like, you like country, country. And, and, and and yeah. the most people ever I think like country now thanks to Hannah Montana's dad. So yeah. it's about the only time they could do this. I mean, yeah. Garth Brooks was getting number one hits all the time. It's true. In this time period. I so. mean, but yeah. not after this. But like, it, I think country is at its largest awareness at this point. Even though, uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit waning. Yeah. In 94. A little bit waning. Yeah. But, but, like I said, that's a good lineup, but I'm not expecting a flashy show. I'm just expecting, well, this will be enjoyable music. Thank you. You know what I learned this week? I did not know Garth Brooks is refuses to be on Spotify. <laughs> so, like... He is, like, not on the internet. Yeah. Okay? He, buy my, buy my CDs, bitch. That I'll, I'll put them out constantly. <laughs> and that's, mm-hmm. that's all you get from Garth. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm reminded of that 30 Rock skit of... Uh, I need to have my fans be people who don't know the internet exists to buy their CDs at uh, gas stations. And, I mean, uh, country music. There you go. Yeah. Oddly enough, Chris Gaines is totally on Spotify. Moving on to the, my favorite thing of the week. I wanted. I unearthed an old promo because I was so fucking excited about this. And let me bring you back to nobody knows anything about this. The Critic. One critic called it the best new show on TV. All right, it was me, but I'm very hard on myself. The Critic, coming soon. On ABC, the worst channel it could be on. And and I just want to just... Leading into home improvement. A little context here. Uh, The Simpsons created a shitload of Me Too cartoons, but they were really like... They were all... Capital Critter, Fish Police... To be as kind as I can to them, they were all kind of the Flintstones. This is kind of adult material, but it's for children. And they would eventually rerun that on the at the beginning of Cartoon Network at any time of day because there was nothing really offensive or pushing the envelope for them. This is the second show from Simpsons creators, period. The first, second attempt at The Simpsons. While it takes a while to make animation, people. Yeah, you know, The Simpsons was huge almost from day one, but it takes a while to go. Okay, let's hire those guys away from the biggest animated TV show in history, 
give them money and give them resources to write something. I, I think in, in, today, then, this, this that success would have been followed up on within weeks of itself. Now it's taken years. James Brooks, uh, Al Jean, and Mike Reese, I do like that they made very intentionally this show is not The Simpsons. It's not set in anywhere America. It is set in New York. It doesn't star a family. It stars a single Jay Sherman is not a lovable idiot. Jay, per, Jay is an unlikable, smart person. And they are so mean to Jay. Yeah. Oh yes. my gosh. This is just like I do not know of an animated show that is meaner to its protagonist than the critic. Yeah. Re going back and rewatching it, it was I almost had a run encounter of how many jokes about him being gay or fat. <laughs> Especially fat. And you know how he'd answer? No. <laughs> That's what he'd say. <laughs> no. But but like uh I the easiest way I can describe our love for the critic. I, lo I would lose my shit when I'd get a movie reference in The Simpsons. What if you made The Simpsons all movie references? This is right place, right time for me, and I think for all of us. Mm -hmm. I, I'm And 100%, I was never as much into movies as I was in 1994 into movies, so The Critic was perfect for baby JR. If, they, if and... there was a critic joke I did not get, I sought it out like, I'm going to understand this reference. And it was it's so... If you're a fan of the show, strongly rooted in 92 to 95. Every it single has movie. no timelessness at all. I cannot <laughs> show this to my kids. They would never, ever get maybe the Jurassic Park parody. Other than that, <laughs> they're going to be just lost. Oh, yeah. They're going back to Rain Man a couple times yeah. during the run of this show because Rain Man was huge, but it's also not 1988 anymore. I, they I, do end up doing a, a piano parody next season. So. I, 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 yeah. I only but, disagree a little bit just because, like, you know, I was, I was, as I want to do when I'm incredibly drunk three times a year, watch Looney Tunes. And I spent my childhood repeating Abbott and Costello lines and, and, and like, uh, Bogart lines that I had no frame of reference for other than Daffy Duck. Uh, you, I don't think it's the same, Chris. I it think might you not can be the same. And enjoy a Looney Tunes, uh, parody. It's not even a parody. It's just using a voices, using a scene. And it's just, if you don't know it, it's just, yeah, but if you don't know it, if you know it, you'll get more out of it. But I got plenty out of it as a kid, not knowing what they were referencing. And, yeah. and anytime it, it, in Jay's real life, it is kind of straightforward comedy when he's at it work. Is. I mean, there tons are of some movie parodies. killer lines. Mm -hmm. My, uh, alternate intro, uh, was going to be my shrink was right. God does hate me. <laughs> <laughs> again so cruel just so oh, cruel so so cruel so i i wanted to bring up the music on the show because yeah. it's got a, a wonderful wonderful opening theme that's sort of rhapsody in blue-esque yeah. by a little boy no one like named hans zimmer who's a successful uh, uh composer at this point but not the only composer, <laughs> but he takes off next year as yeah. being like, this guy is top tier shit. Like he's very successful at this point, but Lion King bumps him up into like one of the top five guys. And I just, just play a little bit. Cause it's so charming. Oh, oh. Love this show. So very so much. So charming. So big recommend. I yeah. love it. My big criticism, other than Jay and one other character, I don't think this has enough memorable characters. It's quickly the Jay Sherman show. Yeah. And everyone else except for 
this character just doesn't have many great lines. Why the hell do you have to be so critical? I'm a critic. No, your job is to rate movies on a scale from good to excellent. What if I don't like them? That's what good's for. Mr. Phillips, we go on in five seconds. I own this network, boy. Just put up that picture of me on a horse. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, God, I look fabulous. Look, this isn't art. It's just mindless pablum for losers who can barely read. Oh, that reminds me. I've got an interview with People Magazine. Mr. Phillips. <laughs> okay, so, Chris, okay. in yeah. your time as a professional critic yeah have you ever had a boss tell you that's what's good is for no no but but also like i do sort of know what he's saying because when you truly find something that is bad it shouldn't even something that is bad shouldn't even come to my plate something that <laughs> comes to my plate typically has a budget a marketing team they can fix what's wrong especially today you don't see movies that aren't six out of tens at least it's rare it's rarer to find that we than a... just talked about i frankenstein <laughs> i'm saying that's but that's so it had a huge budget and it was garbage but i'm saying i think worse it's... than garbage it was garbage is garbage you will find a great to excellent movie more often than you will find a movie of i frankenstein's quality you can't if you i see critics i remember seeing critics back then write about movies as if everything was five and below. I'm like, you don't belong in this business. Like these movies are made by professionals. They're fun. Even, even mediocre movies can be fun. But th that, well, that was sort of our attitude because as, as game critics, because just, to, just to be in contention to being reviewed by us, you have to be of a certain caliber. Movies are different, but, uh, cause you can only do so much, but that's what I, I loved about it. Cause I was becoming a snob too. And Jay Sherman was also a snob and yep. snobs, aren't very popular main characters unless you're Frasier. Yeah. Right. Well, actually, Frasier, that's a, that's a good comparison. And that like, yeah, your main character is kind of unlikable and it's everyone around him that makes him more likable. Now, Duke Phillips, RIP Charles Napier is one oh, of the oh, greatest oh. characters ever. Created. He is incredible, but we also have Doris Grau. Yes. Always playing someone named Doris. God bless her. Maurice LaMarche is an Australian Maurice guy LaMarche, <laughs> Maurice LaMarche, literally, they would just write things that they thought he did a funny impression of. Mm -hmm. Like, they just really liked his, his Dudley Moore. So they just put in a Dudley Moore sketch for no Filled fucking reason. Filled with green penis. And yes, is Orson Welles. <laughs> right. Rosebud frozen peas. Full yes. of country goodness and green Penis. Wait, that's terrible. Uh, just take some for the road. Uh, the road. Oh, oh what oh. luck. There's a French fry in my beard. Gary <laughs> yeah. Graham and Judith Ivy, who are two actors I would never put in, on the same stage because they're way too different as his All parents, right. are Diana, incredible. Diana, the peanut is neither a pea nor a nut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and this is this is I didn't ask to be secretary of balloon doggies. The balloon doggies demanded it. This and, and here's something I want to talk about with folks. Just wait that, a minute. It uh, is a nut. Okay. So referencing <laughs> things. I'll be quiet. Um, almost got a spit take. Almost uh, got almost, one. Almost got a spit take. Yep. Uh, I don't know. There's I I spent too much time talking about modern Simpsons sucks. I'm like, no, it might be you that sucks. Slash it's more that you're different. You grew up 
you were 12 years old, Simpsons came out, it ruled, and then it came in a syndication and you watched it every single day. It grew. You don't do that with any Simpsons episodes in the last 15 years if you're like me. I know I don't. Mm. The critic uh, debuted on ABC a little strongly but was a really bad fit because we hear that with almost everything, whether you're a Muppet or Dana Carvey, being in the home improvement orbit will get is a good way to get people to hate a smart thing. And <laughs> then it moves over to Fox to follow The Simpsons. A much better fit. The show got a little more risque. I don't know which one I like more. I'm talking more about the Comedy Central era. When Comedy Central picked up the reruns to play after Dr. Katz, my love for the show got accelerated in a way that it took The Simpsons like nine years to do. I'm watching the critic. I'm watching numerous critic episode reruns every week for years. I watched them for years. I remember Comedy Central marketing it as one hour of bald, paunchy, neurotic power with Dr. Katz and <laughs> Dr. Katz and the critic. So I, 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 I love the two seasons of the critic about as much as I love the first eight seasons of the Simpsons. Cause I've watched them the same amount of times. Yeah. And, and, well, there's only there's only 23 of them. Yeah, you can. That's one season of The Simpsons. Basically. That's one yeah. proper season of a regular show. Yeah. Don't yeah. bring up the uh, online Adam films. Version. No, Ooh, we boy. never talk about them. They're well, and I also want to say, and I shouldn't say it because I haven't done it yet. I bought this on DVD. I'm positive. This is not in print anymore. And why the fuck would it ever be? Who would ever license this and put it on their streaming platform network again? It's it's streamed. It's most of the episodes are on YouTube. I hope they remain that way. Shit, why am I saying this? I should have bought the DVD before announcing this to thousands of people. If you see it out there, pick it up. I have a feeling this is going to be worth a pretty penny in a few years. Uh, it is on Tubi. Oh, Tubi. it's on Tubi? Oh, the place no one goes to and no one likes. <laughs> it streams. All right, I'm just shocked that it streams because it wasn't the last time I looked for it. I'm looking at it right now. It's on Tubi. Okay, great. That's freaking awesome. Yep. I honestly, this is my favorite show ever. I, I generally put that of like, what's something that I can go back to and there it will, I'll laugh at it again, or there'll be a joke I forgot about yeah. and I'll crack up or some reference that I didn't get back then, but I get it now. Oh. Okay. Right. She's yeah. turning the light on and off like in fatal attraction. I don't know why I didn't get it then, but I get it now. Do you wear all uh, white mom? Yes. Except for the gloves. Dirtiest joke uh, I've ever seen <laughs> snuck in on network television. Such a good uh, joke. And they We're going to have to talk about that episode. Mm -hmm. They do make yeah. fun a little of how old Jay is. Do you want to know how old he is? Yeah, in his late 30s. 36. Yep. And so they are just... joking about how old he is at 36. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, it's... yeah, I mean, and his design is so fun because, like, they just took Siskel and Ebert and smooshed them together. <laughs> <laughs> and the Siskel and Ebert episode is... One of the best episodes of anything. One of the best episodes yeah. of anything. They sing a love song to each other. It's mm -hmm. fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say except like I, I, I wish this it, never it's stopped. An interesting comparison to to Frasier, and that yeah, it's a it's a show about a, a snobby guy who's uh, generally unlikable, and then uh, you get to see him humiliated. <laughs> so here's why I think it didn't last as long as it should have. Okay, mm. cops and doctors are the focus of so many TV shows because they naturally find themselves in dramatic situations, interesting situations. They, they can run across things where it's like, wow, this is interesting. I want to see where this can go. What are the pitches for episodes where a film critic 
will just naturally find himself in an interesting situation. Yeah. Mm. I'm at a press conference again. Mm-hmm. I think also I read from the, it might have been something the writer said, it might have been a little foolish to think people outside the entertainment industry who aren't animation writing nerds, that they understand every one of these movie references to old and new movies. Like, But that's one thing that I saw um, Nell Scoville, who wrote on the show, mm-hmm. uh, said that they thought that this would be a show that was hit on the coast and flyover country wouldn't get it. And it was the exact opposite. Mm. Mm. They they actually didn't do very well in in urban markets, but out in the boonies, they thought the show was funny. Yeah, it's not it's not a show that is right. like you would call a smart show. It's about a smart guy, mm-hmm. but it is it, it the humor is totally for everyone. I, yeah. I do like he starts complaining about his salary, mm-hmm. and adjusted for inflation, he makes five hundred and sixty two thousand dollars in today's money Jesus Christ. a year. Jesus Christ, I would retire in two years. Uh, yeah, but then he can lose his job and have to do uh, English for cab drivers. So. <laughs> it can be taken away any moment. I'll book him. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. And also one of the best visual gags ever. Look at sign. Look at sign. Uh, love this show. I know every word of it. It's always super comforting. And yeah, cannot recommend the critic strongly enough for anybody who is listening to the show beyond the first time you will get the most out of it and you should probably yeah. take, give it a watch you like, and, you like classic simpsons era stuff mm-hmm. seasons four five six seven eight what the hell are you waiting i think for, there's, there's still the guys who are now currently doing the simpsons again so yeah yeah, yeah. I, I will say though i think this is the real father of family guy i think family guy has Maybe? far more mm-hmm. in line with the critic than it actually does with the simpsons I, for me i could have stood to see more movie jokes like based on popular culture because oh when they hit they were awesome it's uh, one of the first video game jokes i remember turning into pac-man uh using the music it was beautiful uh and i i I wish it was still here i wish there was something making fun of modern movies because now you got treehouse of horror and that's just kind of it that'll really bank on its audience too dead there's like maybe three movies a year you can make a reference to that you can be comfortable everyone yeah but you can make fun of all those movies because it wasn't just new movies it was movies within a five-year window and then jay especially would reference old movies all the time love story uh fuck it seven sealed it's all that's all over the show (laughs) it's hilarious uh love the critic i'm gonna before this episode is over, I'm looking at getting that TV before. Yeah, it if t- we've learned yeah. anything from uh, the success of Last Action Hero, it's that the public is craving more Seventh Seal references. <laughs> <laughs> it worked in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah, really did. Uh, then we'll close out with some games here. Riddick Bow Boxing for Game Boy. Riddick. This this game yeah. is ridiculous. They never used my tagline. Un- unnecessary roughness for PC. Tell me that's a football game with no It's rules. a football game that is not remembered because it made the big mistake of not being Madden. Yeah. Mm. Well, there are a ton of non-Madden games at this point. The NFL license can go to anyone. Merchant Prince, is that on PC? Strategy game. Uh, you take on the role of a Renaissance-era trader. Like, not a traitor, a traitor. <laughs> And uh, After Dark, don't get too excited, Horn Dogs. It's the <laughs> Simpsons animated screensaver with over 15 Simpsons modules, and they're still kind of fun. I miss premium screensavers. If there, if I could download this for free, which I'm sure I can with like it's, whatever it's, listeners. It's, it's on archive.org. You can totally download this. I, I would like 
but can it run on my Windows 11? I uh, yeah. no, there's no fucking way. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I hope some nerd out there transports this oh, yes. so it works in Windows 11. That would be fun. I but Homer, Homer will eat your whole desktop background. There's some <laughs> voice clips. I'm not sure if they're original because the YouTuber's talking over them. There's, a, there's just a, a screensaver where Ned and Homer will mow the lawn, but they're both wearing dresses and from that episode. And from the, that episode where they wore dresses yes, while mowing. the mini golf episode. I know what it is. Do, do I dare ask how much this costs oh, to have... My, it was probably a premium. Savers. It was a premium product, so you're probably looking at at least thirty bucks. Oh, thirty man. bucks. Hey, look, people worked on something, Diana. Pay, I know, you got to pay people. But can I just have flying toasters or <laughs> those came standard? And lastly, a game I'm not uh, really allowed to talk about without certain friends of mine from back in the day. Gabriel Knight, Sins of the Father, uh, what which my friend Charlie would call the uh, just the end all be all of adventure games. Um, Gabriel Knight. Oh, I got to go to New Orleans with Charlie, and believe me, when he saw Jackson Square, he was so happy because he recognized it from the Gabriel. Wow, Knight game. what a dork! <laughs> I was Love like, "Oh, man. you big fucking nerd! Let me take a picture." Love that man. Uh, <laughs> and it is a time of books. Uh, 1994. Uh, this week sees the release of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil by John I Berndt. I think this is the biggest success of 1994 in the book world. Maybe. Um, I think was, when did Bridges of Madison County come? It might have been out last year, but that's like kind of at the top of the charts every week, but also mm-hmm. huge. But yeah, if you're a mom out there listening to our show, being a mom back then, you remember these books very well. Midnight in the Garden of Good and, Good and Evil finally hits. Yep. Um, and then some music of 1994. All for Love by Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, and Sting. Still number one, baby. <laughs> oh, love it. So New releases include this week from um, the 26th through February 1st. We got the self-titled album by Black Hawk, Cross Purposes by Black Sabbath, Under the Pink by Tori Amos, Blunted mm-hmm. on Reality, the debut of the Fugees, uh, What a Crying Shame by the Mavericks, Back at Your Ass for the 9-4, <laughs> which I could not have said wider knowing I was about to read a two live crew album, and Dookie by Green Day, which is on the Rolling Stone Top 500 album list really feel like I love that album cover so much. I would still probably take a poster of it from my wall. So much happening in the Dookie album cover. Mm-hmm. So, and here's where I have to say what I said. I said this New Year's Eve because Green Day was playing. We're as far from Dookie as Dookie was to Hard Day's Night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you are old. You are old, Father William. Cultural slowdown, you know, because I guarantee you when... Hard Day's Night was coming out. They wouldn't have had 30-year music playing at the hip coffee shop, but you can still hear this This is as old as John Philip Sousa is. uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But we'll close out with Basket Case by Green Day, a just, yeah, untoppable classic. Uh, Love it. Don't go anywhere. we got a lot to talk about when we get back from this short break. It all keeps adding up. I think I'm cracking up. Am I just Would 
you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew, then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. 84 is a hell of a year, listeners. Yes. And this is one of the films that makes 84 such a special year. I mean, I don't remember. I was very young and definitely not seeing this movie in the theater, but it's like I was there for the resonant success like I thought this was a franchise that would be around forever ever <laughs> everybody had a dog named Gizmo uh, for a really <laughs> yeah. long time uh, it's Joe Dante's 1984 Gremlins of course we're talking about I, I just wanted to say this off the bat if this is your favorite movie you either have no taste or the best taste <laughs> yes yes Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Coming in with Michelle Williams, do you know, uh, off the album, the same name. Welcome to 2004, January 26th through February 1st. That's 20 years ago. Also, right. And that's the Destiny's Child, Michelle Williams. Yes. Don't be confused. Not uh, Heath Ledger's <laughs> Michelle? No. Um, not, not the ridiculously versatile actress. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she does not belong to a dead man. Uh, new releases also include Delirium Cordia by Phantomos, uh, Bangers and Fuckers by Coach Whips. That's enough for me to check it out. Great title. Uh, Night, Night Freak and the Sons of Becker. Wow, right in the week of its cancellation by the Coral. Uh, Talkie Walkie by Air. Uh, One More Moment by Mindy Smith. And uh, Margarine Eclipse by Margarine Eclipse by Stereolab. Hey, Abay Outcast is still number one. Number uh, yeah, one. Okay, uh, a little bit of news that brings into 2004. My Doom. The most destructive computer worm so far is first sighted on computers in North America. Goes on to cause $38 billion in damages. I'm not sure how you calculate those damages. I want to say that a lot of that is theoretical. But so is a lot of uh, natural disaster estimations. See, I, I really remember the early 2000s as having far worse viruses than today. Because mm-hmm. I had so many laptops who I was yep. like, this isn't working. And I went to the internet. I tried to follow everything. I downloaded multiple uh, spyware stuff, mm-hmm. uh, antivirus stuff. And it was like, I still keep getting a laptop just trashed. It, like, it becomes garbage. It's after- so odd to think about. And like, how did this happen? Maybe because you went to a bunch of nefarious ROM sites, you idiot, to try and get placed <laughs> Super Nintendo games for free. No, I think this one went through email. But okay. if I remember right, my doom was the one where like literally i think our it guy said yeah the internet's going to be slow for a while because so much of it is being taken up by my doom replicating Woo. Woo. Like, oh okay cool but also like, use a mac i don't get like jr things. was saying like i i remember yeah i'd have like 18 anti-spyware companies and the spyware companies would eventually buy the spyware clients <laughs> to invade your computer 
and just realizing, yeah, it's been over 10 years since I've even thought about that because it took that long for Windows to incorporate an updated spyware, uh, just what do you want to call it? Ecosystem? That's uh, effective. Yeah, that's that effective. actually does its job. I cannot recall the last time I had something that actually fucked my shit up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, here it is. Average web page load times went down by 50%. Everything Ooh. slowed down. And uh, they said my doom was responsible for roughly 10% of all email messages at the time. Um, and can I, can I just move up something from TV into news because I think it belongs there? Because it's so much less about what actually happens on TV. Uh, The Super Bowl, 38, Reliant Stadium. Who could forget Reliant Stadium? Houston. uh, In Houston, New England Patriots beat the Carolina Panthers. Very close, 39-29, MVP Tom Brady. What else do we remember about this? (laughs) (laughs) I think, well, there was a halftime show that had Kid Rock and P. Diddy and Jessica Simpson and Spirit of Houston and Ocean of Soul and two other people. Two other people. Lots of, three J's shared among their names. That's, of mm. course, talking about Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. <sighs> Becomes so one of the most where fine... we get the term wardrobe... Where we get the term wardrobe malfunction. Because and it was. that's still used today. I yeah. still hear that today. But the, the funniest part about this, and it's almost like not fun. There's so much of this that is not funny at all. And I really want to spend a little time <laughs> on the sexism and fake shock. Um, yeah. Justin, because I thought I, I, I saw this. I saw this live. And yep. I just remember like Janet Jackson has a huge nipple piercing. And in my head, some of my friends were like, we were supposed to see that. Like, no, Justin Timberlake grabbed just at random what was supposed to be a fallaway top and reveal mm-hmm. something lacy a little he ripped the entire thing off of one tip so he it, it is totally his fault he is never brought up <laughs> he is not associated with this this controversy he is never blamed he is never fined his name never comes up in pundits mouths <laughs> some mad genius look through about like 300 plus newspaper articles on this at the time and discovered that in 50% of them, his name was never even mentioned. Never mentioned. It is all his fault. Not the fault of the woman who was embarrassed on national television by having her clothes ripped off by someone who did the wrong thing. And not that I think there's much blame to give to JT anyway. What I really want to remind people of, politically, we're always, you know, we're all going to have different opinions. This, to me, is the best condemnation of 24-hour news. This is not mm-hmm. news. This did not matter. Nobody it did. It created YouTube. The founder <laughs> of YouTube is on record as saying this happened. Everyone wanted to watch it. Yeah. Everyone wanted to watch it. And he went, what if I create a website where people can watch things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not far yeah. off. But, but the point being, when you think, like we, we constantly live in a media ecosystem where we're told things are shocking. You can't say anything anymore. Like think about, just this week. I wanted to message all of you. I was rare occasion watching SNL live. They said the term suck my penis. And I slapped my girl on the shoulder. Like they have never said anything like that before. That has to be a first for net- network television. And then they said, God damn, 
blaspheming, which is literally illegal by the FCC, I have never heard on purpose on network television. This one boo, this no, and I, I Google around. No one's saying anything about that. <laughs> no one's saying. I think I, amusing. If you haven't read Chris, Cliff Nestroff's outrageous, he keeps quoting like Pete Davidson came on his mother in the opening seconds <laughs> of his Peacock show while masturbating the virtual reality port. His mother, Emmy winner Edie Falco. Nobody <laughs> cares at all, at all. It nobody's even talking about it. But this incident dragged janet jackson through the mud it ended up costing somewhere around four million dollars in legal proceedings and a five hundred thousand fcc fine one of the biggest fines ever levied because of one incident from one individual usually they're like egregious things that an entire network has done for something one in that one individual did the fcc received five hundred thousand complaints about the nipple and this is 2004, so it's not a Twitter poll. You know, it's people calling but or writing physical letters or It is also a email. form letter given out by watchdog groups designed to be angry watchdog yeah. groups. And, and yep. I, I want to know how many of those had the same wording and how many were from, like, Focus on the Family. Mm-hmm. That yeah. wanted that, 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 and a, a couple people took them to small claims court and I think maybe got, like, a settlement out of it because you're not supposed to see a boob on TV. Says fucking who? Who gives a shit? And this is the the FCC chairman at the time, Michael Powell. I love his quote. Uh, this is his quote years after the fact. I think we've been removed from this long enough uh, to say that uh, for me to tell you that I put on my best version of outrage just so I could put it on. Uh, part of it was surreal, right? Like, look, I know it's dumb what's happened, and uh, they knew the rules, and they were flirting with him, and my job requires the enforcing of the rules. But, you know, really, what are you going to do? Who cares? I personally thought it was all unfair, and it all turned out to be about her. And well, so, so much of it, I mean, obviously, it's going to be the think of the children. Mm-hmm. Like, this is supposed to be an event that we all watch together as men try to give each other concussions. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's wholesome. Yeah. It's the most watched thing every single year. And they were like, well, that's it. The empty feeification has gone too far. This is too sexy. This is too raunchy. We think that was planned. We think this was totally intentional. Like, why else should we? she have the giant nipple piercing there? And it's like, well, don't question her piercing. I don't fucking know. The fact that, like, we didn't see nipple, really. No. We saw a big thing. Like, it, it cut away so to, fast. Like, like, only a couple of years before we had... Uh, Lil Kim at the VMAs wearing a, a one boob dress mm-hmm. with a pasty on and everyone just kind of went, huh? Until mm-hmm. Diana Ross basically jiggled it. <laughs> everyone went, oh, dude, don't grab her tits. What it's, are you doing, It's Diana? also cable and outside of the FCC's jurisdiction. Yeah. So they yeah. have to do something here. I, I find this pretty disgusting and everybody who engaged in it to be pretty disgusting parasitic people. But again, I blame the 24-hour news cycle who turned this into a months-long controversy for an accident that happened where literally no one was harmed except for Janet Jackson. And just truly unbelievable. Yeah, I don't Uh, understand why the idea is that that was her fault. Yeah, exactly. I don't understand. you can see that more bra. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you can kind of, like a little bit, but she's wearing, I mean, the piercing. She's wearing a nipple shield, but... Inside of that nipple shield is the nipple itself. But so what? Yeah, yeah. I, I would be much more willing I, to talk about this moment as one of history's most embarrassing incident. To, to talk about it as one of the most controversial thing that's ever happened. What is controversial about this? Nothing. 
<laughs> Nothing. Does do things need to change? This caused this caused opportunistic, idiotic politicians to promote all these new awful laws involving restricting our rights, freedom of speech, and what can be shown on decent television. They had mm-hmm. to, like they threw out so many Super Bowl commercials the next year because there's all this heat on it. It lasted year long heat. La- they ended their affiliation with MTV, which bolstered their ratings incredibly once they actually bought, brought real acts and choreography into uh into the super bowl on the regular basis i really think that's 20 years of cultural change talking chris i mean we've I was had pretty much YouTube. there at the time we've had netflix yes but you were a young man uh you're talking about you know the 60 year old people who watch this at the time are mainly dead now and they were the ones probably writing these letters okay? i don't believe um, these are form letters. This is all horseshit, and no one was pretending to be upset to be part of a movement is kind of gross. I don't think how can you be that upset by something like this? It's it's a bad thing that happened to Janet Jackson. You'll live. Everyone else yeah. who saw it, you'll live. <laughs> I feel like that's the thing that's missing is like, like oh, this was a terrible thing for us all to see. It's like that was a bad thing that happened to Janet Jackson that yes. we all happened to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sucks for her more than it sucks yeah. for anybody it, who watched she it. She treated like she did it all on purpose, and she was intentionally like she just she got her vag out and shoved it at the camera, and she had a giant diagram of where babies come from, and then she like uh, had sex with a woman. Like, yeah, how I'm many not... other controversial things can she do? Like, d- d- no, this was an accident that she was the victim of, and everyone acted like she's the perpetrator, yeah. and she is a legend, and everyone should apologize. And I, I quoted the FCC chairman because. Uh, it is it is interesting to point out that they were riding a line and they were trying to titillate in the same way showing a boob titillates. That was the point of the finale had it gone correctly, to see more of her boob. So t- technically, He's, we got even more than we wanted. He told us what he was going to do. He was going to have us naked by the end of this song. <laughs> but just That's what he blah, said. Blah, blah, also, I do love that how do they fix this? Who do you bring in next year to to make oh, everything shit. okay? I did read this. Um, do you guys remember? No. Nope. Because it is a very wise move because it's Paul McCartney. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's one where even, like everyone can go, well, yeah, okay. Yeah. But I will say this. This is the most famous halftime of all time. What about Left Shark and Katy Perry's Left Shark? <laughs> I loved that whole show, but Left Shark, yes. I mean, I, I'm going to tune in the Super Bowl this year because the halftime show is all I care about. It's become the most fun, elaborate production that the most people are watching at any given time. I don't even know who's no. playing in the Super Bowl. But uh, well, wait. no one does yet. Oh, the playoffs haven't. Didn't happened. even know that. But I know Usher's going to be there, and you're, they're speculating who's going to be there with him. Diana, who will do the most bases and do the most dunks? <laughs> oh, um, uh, the Char- San Jose Sharks. Charlie yeah. okay. Daniels. Go Sharks. 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 <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's utterly ridiculous. And, and and one of the yeah one of the largest fines posed by the FCC on an individual act on television ever, um, <sighs> half a million dollars. Four million illegal settlements, and we talked about it for years over who fucking We're talking cares. about it 20 years later I'm right ta- now. In so disgust. Still- 
it, it, not as a marketing attempt, not as a marketing gag. It's God, because that that is another thing. We marketed this in the last episode. We teased uh, this discussion. That's true. To get people to listen to this, because I'm fucking disgustipated. Market marketing. You want to talk marketing? I'll play this early. This is what comes up in marketing this week. Marketing milestones from 20 years ago. My favorite thing ever. <laughs> the Quiznos things debut 20 years ago. Uh, They're called Spong Monkeys. Spong Monkeys. I, I did see monkeys. I saw bears. People call them bears. And I don't know about you, but my town, which at the time had many Quiznos subs, now has zero. So to me, Quiznos yeah. is yeah. dead. Yep. This is their legacy. <laughs> these, <laughs> these little things. It's so... It, I remember watching this at the time, and I had seen the We Love the Moon short. It was a rather good... Uh, I looked at their animation. Oh yeah, rather good. He would, he would do lots of stuff, and I, and I felt like I was hallucinating for a second because it's like the internet's are leaking. The Super Bowl ads cost so much money. Why would Quiznos do this <laughs> to the unsuspecting public? I don't like. They're not gonna get it. They're gonna be so confused. Why is this happening I to just, us? We, we love it. They have a bar. Again, we were watching, I was watching live television, which almost never happens with SNL this week. And I'm talking to my girl and I'm just like the first 20 years of my life, all commercials were sincere pitches for why you might like this product. Now, if they're not a pill or a promo for a TV show or movie, every commercial is about disturbing me from looking away <laughs> to this day. All com like, have you seen a Skittles commercial? Hey, I puke Skittles for a living. At no point do they tell you they're delicious, that they're chewy, that they taste like anything. It's just to disturb you. <laughs> and keep on watching. Uh, this was so weird and wonderful. And yeah, I, I, Quiznos is so much better than every other sandwich. I know. Chain, and I'm sad that they, they were run so badly and they fucked over their franchisees and that's oh, why hate they're it. gone. What, why is it so hard to put were, Russian dressing on your fucking sandwiches, Jimmy John's? Jesus Christ, chicken carbonara sub at Quiznos oh, is delicious. So Ugh. good. Yes, I'm, I'm very upset about I loved it. Quiznos mostly disappearing. I know, JR, you got the original in Denver. You're fine. I, I yeah. drove past it once, and oh. they were like, the original Quiznos. And I was like, you bastards, oh, you ruined it. Probably got an amusement park in it. God damn, so no, fucking uh, lucky. Yeah, cliff diving. They have cliff diving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, I'm going there. Oh, I'm going there in like 10 days. Wow. Oh, is it opening? It is open for uh, special reservations. We put our name on a waiting list. I was going to say, like it's it's a hot ticket. Months ago, and we finally got a response saying, you can buy tickets, and we bought them for like 10 days from now. Casa Bonita. You're going to go to Casa yes. Bonita. We might have to do a whole podcast about your experience because <laughs> let's do it. I have built it up in my head so much. I just assumed I'd never see it like Shanghai Disney. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. Uh, let's Come move and on. visit me. We'll make a day of it. Moving on with the show. I skipped some TV up early because it was funny. Um, but yeah, shame how we all about Janet Jackson. Shame on all of us. Uh, yeah. Uh, movies now we can get to. First up, Harry Dean Stanton, Charlie Sheen, Baby Noworth, Vitty Jones, Willie Nelson, Sarah Foster, Gary Sinise, uh, Morgan Freeman, 
and Owen Wilson in The Big Bounce. I want to go to this dinner party. <laughs> Psychologically, it's difficult because you're not here to work. I mean, that's what your brain tells you because every other time you've been here has been on vacation. There's just so much here. Uh, 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 uh. We're just enjoying the sun in Hawaii, really, and then, you know, every now and then we have to go to work. This movie has gotten in the way of a really... What the fuck is this, Diana? <laughs> this is about how they moved the setting of the Elmore Leonard book from Michigan to Hawaii. Wow. And this might be one of the reasons why the movie is not good. <laughs> Everyone was basically saying, yeah, I really wanted a vacation in Hawaii, so I decided to make a movie while having my vacation in Hawaii. Wow, it's before Adam Sandler could pioneer such an act. I would... Yeah, so Elmore Leonard said the worst movie he ever saw was the adaptation of The Big Bounce with Ryan O'Neill in it. And he said the second worst movie he ever saw in his life was the Big Bounce adaptation with Owen Wilson in it. <laughs> I've never. Elmore seen Leonard hated this, Ooh. and you know that's a shame because Elmore Leonard most adaptations are fun. His books are fun, mm-hmm. and the vast majority of films made out of them are fucking great. See, Out of Sight, it's like the best movie ever. But Jackie Brown, the Big Bounce is. About, like, a guy who's running afoul of a crime boss, and then he moves in with the judge, and then he's, like, having an affair with the crime boss's wife, and she sets him up for Mordor. Bullshit. No one cared. It no huge one. bomb. <laughs> Made $5 million of a $50, $50 million budget. Oh. Huge bomb. I mean, that's oh. an expensive cast. At least yeah. half of that had to have been just the cast. Yep. Yeah. And then Oh my. But do, yeah, let's talk about the real banger. The real the real movie we need to talk about uh here. Christina Ricci, Charlie's Theron. It's Monster, ladies and gentlemen. Monster. We killed that man. What do you think? Oh You're never gonna understand it, so you gotta trust me. I got it under control, man. She's all screwed up. I was right and Beaton was gonna get killed. You can't kill people. Says who? He knew. No, This is your deal. They're coming for us. They got nothing. They're not even looking. Monster. You want to talk about eye acting. Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Haunting performance as one of real life's movie monsters. Eileen Warnos. Even though I have a ton of sympathy for her as, a, as far as quote unquote serial yeah, killer. I mean, yeah. There's sympathy, but she kills so many people that it's it's kind of she only away. kills the people who are willing to take her humanity away at a dollar cost and uh, after a lifelong of trauma of other johns not just people but johns like it's not it's not yeah. the exact same as going out and hunting people for sport it's a woman trying to survive like most there almost none of these other serial killers are even like stealing from people kind yeah. of I mean, the real I mean, lady makes Mary, it so interesting yeah the real person married a rich old man and ended up beating that rich old man she did and didn't stay in that yeah oh so she it wasn't just like she had no other ways of out she could have you know not beat an old man and survived um yeah she you don't know what he did she, yeah but no that's i mean that's what makes this so interesting is yes it's just based you know the story of eileen warnos who people generally point to as being one of the few female serial killers but you could kind of argue she's different than other serial killers who generally kill for a sense of sexual satisfaction 
And this makes it seem like she is killing because she is paranoid because of past abuse, Mm -hmm. which seems rational to a point. That's Mm -hmm. why I I love that there is it's unclear. She keeps saying the guy was going to rape me. I had to shoot him. But also you took all his money and stole his car. If we're going through the real person, that's one thing. But this movie clearly makes the point that she kills multiple men who are no threat to her purely for the sake of curing. And and that's and that's what I like about this movie shows. The movie to steal from decisions. Yeah, I don't. I think it is entirely to steal from them. But that's her justification in her head. Yes, her justification is is to make her the Robin Hood of the awful world that has been given to her, and and she doesn't even see. She doesn't. She seems doesn't seem to care at all. Which is almost right. more interesting because serial well, killers, yeah. you always see like, I feel guilty. There's not a lot of guilt for Eileen Warnos yeah. because of what yeah. the shit she's seen. Mm-hmm. Well, she's fundamentally a child, which, yes, horrible childhood. She got stunted as a child. But she there's this scene when her girlfriend is asking her, so what do you want to do for work if you're not going to be a hooker anymore? And she says, I'm going to be a veterinarian. And the girlfriend is like, yeah. you have to go to school for that. You have to get a degree and she just like brushes it aside and is like well i love animals and this is a scene of her looking for a job oh god right you make sure that i have all of this straight basically you have no experience no college degree no resume no work history whatsoever in fact and now you would like to be a lawyer right no see i was um i'm sorry but when i read the ad it said that you were looking for a secretary okay well, you need to learn how to type. You'll need computer skills. Most of our secretaries have college degrees. In fact, most of them have specialized in law. I don't mean to sound harsh, but frankly, it's a little insulting. I see you're from Daytona. I, and I, I, I thought this scene was being played for laughs because I did a little. Mm. I, well, it's laughing at her um, and laughing at him for being a jerk because he is a complete jerk about it. But if anyone with her demeanor and her work history came in looking for a job you would never hire them unless it was for something like a dishwasher and there's a scene when she goes to the unemployment thing and they're like "Uh, i'm trying to get out of sex work what do you have and they're like well we have a manufacturing job or something and she you know refuses to do that she doesn't realize that she was really starting in a bad location and she has to work at the very bottomest of bottoms of legit jobs we talk about people who are marginalized. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what she is. She, there's, there's, she, she has no credit history, work history, work experience uh, that she could like write in a resume. She probably doesn't know how to write a resume. She probably doesn't know how to handwrite a resume because it's not like she has a computer or a typewriter. I get typewriter because it's the eighties. Uh, yeah. So getting back to sort of the plot as it was is uh, she is a drifter surviving on sex work who is a very fucked up individual. She meets up with Christina Ricci who is a very, very fictionalized version of a real person. Mm-hmm. They have a relationship that is very strange and complicated because they're both so lonely and and feel like they don't deserve love and feel like this is their one chance at love but also you know Christina Rich is pushing her into sex work and then acting like she doesn't know where the money's coming from when she's coming back with a lot more money than she would be getting mm-hmm. from truck stop mm-hmm. sex work and so Charlotte like 
people made jokes that, oh, here's Charlize Theron getting an Oscar for looking like a normal person instead of the goddess that she is. No. No, she makes no. an incredible transformation. I mean, she looks bad. I mean, to be blunt, she is not an attractive woman in this movie, which is an accomplishment. But then, yeah. then almost two. Warnos <laughs> is not a terrible looking lady, as terrible as this depiction. But the performance in general is someone kind of a little deranged and desperate. And you it, can do some scene yeah. by scene comparisons yeah. of this film with the uh, documentary we talked about last week, mm-hmm. and she nails it. Yeah, yeah. She well, and one thing she does that I don't know if I've ever seen anyone do so well hmm. that I've seen in real life, but I don't see in movies that often is the uh the way she keeps talking about like i'm fine i'm having a great time this is great i don't care i'm actually laughing and you can see how she is so close like she doesn't want to admit that she's very hurt and she is close to tears and and that's like her fallback position where she starts strutting around kind of like a rooster Mm -hmm. of just like no it's great i love i everything's going great for me everything's just just great and it's like you just want to hug her and be like just admit it's not. It's okay. I mean, you're going to make bad decisions if you keep being in denial like this. Yeah, and she does. Yeah. Wow, she makes the worst decisions possible. That's oh why I God. think she's, you know, fundamentally stunted as a child. She has a mm. child's emotional range as an adult. And if you've ever wondered why do your parents try so hard to get you to grow up, it's because a child with childlike emotions is cute. An adult with childlike emotions can be a monster Mm. just a monster yeah little tiny werewolf yeah i was kind of worried i actually didn't see this movie back in 2004 i was like this is going to be a tough watch i I feel like it's going to just be i don't know just just i mean yeah it's unpleasant obviously but uh, i was worried there was going to be like scenes of you know we're gonna see how she got this way in more graphic ways but no i she, should have known it's patty jenkins in her directorial debut yeah what's her next movie wonder woman yes yeah her next movie is wonder Takes woman she forever. does a lot of tv i think she did ozymandias the breaking mm-hmm. bad episode she does a fucking ton of tv but she comes out of practically nowhere with this movie which charlize theron really wanted to do push really hard to get it done very very tiny budget they make every dollar stretch and it's got the uh, the sympathy for her while never excusing how fucked up she is and that's i watched this and was thought it was unbelievably compelling i thought i never wanted to watch it again and just i wrote it just as i wrote it down just like because of how many murder mysteries streaming and podcasts have had me endure of young women of the evening when a when a prostitute goes missing because they've been murdered, I don't. You don't want to. I could say nobody gives a shit because that's true. But like nobody notices when the Johns go missing. It's a panic. So in that mm. sense, if you're watching the movie with that mindset, like this is awesome. <laughs> this, is, this is awesome. I don't know. I I'm not, I don't mean to shame sex workers or mm. people who engage in it because I know there's different areas areas of ethics there. But like. Uh, I mean, there's an exploitation film definitely to be made of. Yeah, probably. Yeah, of mm. revenge against all the people who. And the movie yeah. doesn't do that. It doesn't that, ask no. you to sit in that. But that was no. that was just where sort of my mindset was coming into wasn't, it. Wasn't Angel from the 1980s basically that? 
I don't know. There's many, many movies mm. like that, sadly. I mean, there's a lot of rape revenge movies, mm-hmm. but I don't know about sex workers going after serial killers because, yeah, sex workers are their number one target because who's going to notice if they disappear? Right. Oh, they must have left town. Yeah. Whatever. They were just blown through anyway. And yeah. But, you know, and yes, a John, typical John, like he's he's got a bank loan and a family and yeah, people will notice him missing much earlier. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But just a transfixing film and kind of like nothing else I've ever seen in my life. It's because it's it doesn't end up being a re- violent revenge film and it doesn't end up being a based on a true story film. And it doesn't end up feeling like a film about a serial killer because this person isn't as menacing or predatory as uh, most serial killers we see on on TV and movies. I can't recommend it enough, which is why I'm happy to say with, I love that some of these more incredibly famous movies that are hard to watch, they end up being the sluts of streaming because it's just that, that notion of like, I know I should see this, but I don't want to pay for it. (laughs) And I know it might be a bummer. (laughs) We'll just put it everywhere for free. The movie Monster, Patty Jenkins' Monster, is streaming. I feel maybe we should do Wacko here. Pluto and Voodoo and Redbox and Crackle and Plex and Freebie and Amazon Prime Video and Fubo and Philo. It's streaming everywhere for nothing. So you, if you've ever been curious, it's everywhere. Easy to watch, yep. and I thoroughly recommend totally, it. it. Totally is, worth a watch. It, it's yep. not only one of the best performances from a human being I've ever seen. It's one of the it, like I don't know what Patty Jenkins did to make it feel completely uncliched. But it never does. Mm. There's nothing quite like Monster. I fucking loved it a lot more than I I thought I'd be way more uncomfortable and unnerved by it. But I just yes. even found myself yeah. smiling at certain points because Charlize Theron is doing some crazy shit. Obviously, she de- deserved a nomination. She did win, right? She Yeah. Yeah, she won. I yeah. just yeah mm-hmm. had it written down on the other computer. But yes, love this movie. See it everywhere because that's where it is. <laughs> Uh, I don't give a fuck about the next two movies, I should say, yep. right off the bat. Uh, Matthew Lillard, uh, Leonardo Nam, that's a great name, uh, Darius Miles, Scarlett Johansson, Brian Greenberg, Chris Evans, and Eric Christensen in the perfect score. With two desperate friends. The SAT is messing with the rest of our lives. I say we steal the answers to the test. Now everyone. You told Anna Ross. One more person. Once in on the action. What is it? This Friday. Join the revolution. That sounds like fun. We can do this, but we have got to trust each other. You've assembled a crack team, Chief. The perfect score. Say hello to your future. Copy it. The perfect score. I think this movie made a big mistake by not being made in the 1980s. Okay? that It yeah. needed to be like some gross 1980s teen comedy where everyone is horrible. And, and everyone is too nice in Mm. this yeah why is scarlett johansson here we've already talked about lost in translation she does not need to be third or fourth build in a teenage wacky high school. i love i i refrained from posting this so many i kept seeing this picture and coming across this picture of captain america and black widow together 10, 15 years before the fact, but they're all dressed like me in 2001. This is <laughs> some of the fashion is this. You nailed it. You nailed it. You nailed that single line across the long sleeve t shirt with no collar. Nailed it. It, it is weird seeing baby Scarjo in a fight scene that is a complete parody, but it 
there's a couple of moments when you're like, I could believe this is Black Widow. I could believe that mm. this is the scene mm-hmm. that got her the Black Widow role. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's just a Matrix parody, but that means she's in, you know, a tight black cat suit. So mm-hmm. jumping around, kicking and kicking ass. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, this uh, the idea is, yeah, these guys, they, they all need to do well on the SAT. So they come up with a plan to break into a local testing office and they're going to steal all the the SATs is like um you know how it's not hard especially back then like now they have I think essays in the SAT like it was not hard to cram and get prep stuff and they teach you how to read the questions properly like you guys need to get over a 900 you can do that Mm -hmm. and 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 just couple that with it's 2004 you should learn some learn some Hacking, maybe a little hacker, hacker stuff there. Maybe that's a better way to find yeah. answers to a test. Maybe uh, get a fake ID and have someone take the test for you. Yeah, yeah. Is, there's there are less elaborate, cheaper ways. Santi's Asian test taker, <laughs> hire that right. guy. Exactly. Yeah, I think the only thing I didn't even finish this. The only thing that stood out to me is Chris Evans sounds way more Boston in this than he Hell does yeah. now. And this is the kindest anybody had talked has talked about the movie ever, as far as I can tell from its Rotten Tomato score. So, nah. yeah, sitting at a sixteen percent here yeah, doesn't get a lot better, in it, but it doesn't look like it makes anything. Yeah. Whereas the next movie, critics hate, doesn't matter. And no, nope. uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Drew Frederick, Demaria Thornton, Jarrell Houston, Jennifer Freeman, um, Marquise Houston. Are they related? Uh, Omarion Granberry. We got. Number one of the box office gave us an entire term. I love what a movie does that. You got served. This Friday. Tonight, you suckers got served. What's the matter with you? No fight! The only way to get it back. You're lost if it don't kill. It makes you strong. Is to get even. So do it, or we'll do it. We got the hottest crews competing for $50,000. We did get served. We all got served with you got served. We we're all served. Also, the writer director is the business manager for Marcus Houston and yeah, immature. UK. Yeah. So this this is synergy. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's yeah, hard to tell. This te- is a product. And is it successful? Eh. Well, yeah, but just go. Well, now you can go on YouTube and just watch the dance scenes, yeah. which are the only yeah. thing you actually want to see. It everything is so eye rolly in between. I I don't know that I bounced. I knew I was going to bounce from it, but it was very early in the process. Yeah, I'm out. I, I think Dark Dungeons, the movie's portrayal of playing Dungeons and Dragons, is more accurate than this movie's portrayal of inner city dance, dance contest. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh boy, are there so many aspects where you're like that. That can't what? be real. That nah. there's no way that's a thing. It, it, it that did, doesn't exist. It did get me think because we've talked about a bunch of these. Uh, it there's a, a serviceable plot getting you to and from dance scenes, which is what people are there to see. They don't care who falls in love, who dies, who's who their parents are. You just want to see these sequences. Whereas I think there was an article about it, like how terrified Hollywood is of marketing musical. I had a friend walk out of Mean Girls 2024 and like. I had no idea that was a musical. Mm-hmm. And you could do the same thing with Color Purple. Cats, 
okay, cats might have ruined that for the. For the <laughs> but they, they've done that in the past, especially with a lot of Disney movies. They don't tell you that they're fucking musicals. I, I saw plenty of Frozen ads that didn't lead you to believe there'd be singing and, and not just singing, but numbers. But these dance movies lead with that shit. What is wrong with marketing? <laughs> and they always do well. Why won't you tell yeah. people what's in your movie? Ugh. I, yeah, I don't. I don't understand why they're doing that right now, making musicals and pretending pretending that they're not musicals. Going to all that yeah. trouble and not not yeah, letting their this, audience know what this is. I mean, this is it, it. Seems a perfectly serviceable plot that there's this one dance crew and then they get challenged by another dance crew and then oh, there's a I, Judas amongst them. I think we have a clip of that challenge. Oh, oh, I hope it's this. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name's Randy Marsh. I'm, I'm Stan Marsh's father. Oh, so you're the father of the boy who's going to get effed in the A on Saturday. Damn! Uh, listen, it, it was my fault that Stanley served your boys the other day. Uh, <laughs> I told him to do it, and I... Well, look, I, I just came down here to tell you it, it's not on. Oh, it's on! No, 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 it's not on. Who? it's on, all right! It isn't on, nothing's on, it's off. It's on. <laughs> I'm keeping my son home Saturday. I just came by to let you know so you can put a stop to all this. Goodbye. <laughs> but again, that's that's how Into the Lexicon, the title of this movie went. And yeah. Yeah, Legacy lasted a lot longer than any of the, uh, these other dance movies. No one, You don't see a bunch of people out there saying, what did you do? I'm stomping the yard. I don't hear that <laughs> yeah. ever. I got to step up. I got to step up. <laughs> Four. I got to step up to the streets. Step up to the streets with a two in it. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to TV. Uh, Monsters, the big recommendation of that whole section. Uh, yeah. The Koala Brothers premieres. The Koala Brothers. And uh, two, two koalas in the Australian outback fly around promoting cooperation and kindness. Hell yeah. Aww. Uh, the, the show I have never seen but listened to at my Chinese food delivery job in my car, Ted Danson's Follow up to Cheers, nineteen ninety eight to right now. Becker ends. Becker is over. No. Mm. Yeah. There's so much more to say. Becker was a sitcom uh, house, a very cantankerous doctor, who, yeah. who was t- cantankerous, but not enough to not to not lead a network show and was somehow not racist, even though it always sounded like he was just about to be. So other than Cheers in the Good Place, this is Ted Danson's most famous role, right? I, yeah. I, Even though he's been on CSI for like, he was on, for, I don't know. Bored to Death is one of my favorite shows. And so much we went to a symposium about it. And Ted Danson said, this is my favorite thing that has ever been written for me. Bored to Death. Wow. Big Bored to Death was good, but it's forgotten by everyone. Yeah. Becker, Becker, as far as I can tell, has one super fan oh, no. on the internet desperate to try to make a grand <laughs> Becker retrospective and this is what he says at the start of his video before taping this segment I tried to get some of the cast members to be in the review with me if you don't hear from them by the end of this video it means I wasn't able to get them to be involved I either reached out to them and they didn't respond or I reached out to them and they've declined. So if you don't... Okay, my my hat's off to the Myers Fan 25 because many of shows like this don't have 
an individual like you to capture and edit and upload clips. Those Venn diagrams don't overlap because Becker was intended for a much older audience. I encourage you to invest in some lighting because I can't see anything in this video. Uh, I can see a door open in the background, and that is it for a very, very long time. Becker, for, for the record, no cast members appear in that video. No. So, my Aww. brother in Christ, edit that part out of your video. You do not need to inform me. You are going to try no. to get people on. He told you then... you'll know at the end of the video whether they're in there or not. What a brilliant cliffhanger. Uh, he's <laughs> a a genius. I'll stick around to the end to see, to see if that one sarcastic <laughs> lady makes it in. Uh, oh, And then Boston Public also ends uh, ah. after four years on the uh. air. This was a nice show. Part of, yes, what the, I hear. the Boston universe of, you know, Boston legal slash the practice. Uh, but, you know, it's it's about a school and the teachers and having problems amongst themselves. Got Chai McBride as the principal, who's just some I always always liked. I don't understand why he doesn't get more work. He's one of those guys. Um, <laughs> Loretta Devine, too, was on it, who I just love her. I love her to pieces. And, uh, yeah, it was fine. You know, it's a David E. Kelly joint. And- yep. It's, it's it's pretty good. Uh, you know, it's critically claimed at the time. Doesn't do it. Does okay for like a season. Then it falls off. And then again, like, then it's gone. Like where where are the fans? Where it, where's the love? It, it has this giant shared practice universe. Where <laughs> do people want to connect the dots? Boston public. Yeah. Uh, this yeah, one got the. This is the one I almost got closest to checking out because of how good a couple friends said it was. Blast in public, but it doesn't come anywhere yeah, near. Dropped in and out. It was fine. But yes, let's talk about the longest running show in British TV history. And tonight oh. we're going to talk about all six episodes. I'm Garth Marenghi, author, dreamweaver, visionary, plus actor. You are about to enter the world of my imagination. You are entering my dark place. <laughs> I love this so much. I for I think it hit Adult Swim a year yeah. or two later. Six episodes of perfection, and by perfection, Not I a mean bad one in the bunch. A beautiful look at one a wonderful, like impossible egomaniac. I love his him bragging he's written more books than he's read, and and. <laughs> A Stephen King type looking back on his failed TV project or successful TV project, The Haunted Hospital Show. That aired in Peru. That aired in Peru. Never <laughs> on British television until a extreme drought of content made them ask him to search in his basement for the last remaining copies. I, I don't know of another show that's so, and it may be just the British re- pal resolution that so hits parodying bad 80s programming. It's every single detail is great. I look up Dane Lerner. They go to that funeral and then take out the corpse with shotguns, but they keep cutting back to the Dean who's not sitting there without a shotgun. Then cut to him blowing everyone away. Cut to the other angle where he's not holding anything. Just with his hands in his pockets. It's so good. There's a scene where Garth says, watch out for that cordless iron. And then a clearly corded iron comes into the screen. (laughs) Like ADR is all over the place. The boom mics are showing. They they have the. It must have took so much work to make these sets look this bad. Yeah, yeah, but to like intentionally design every way 
a production could be ham-fisted and poorly thought out, they get yeah. there. Well, he says, I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. That's <laughs> 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 my favorite quote from the idea of like, yes, it is called Dark Place Hospital. And this guy is clearly the greatest guy that ever lived, played by him. And, you know, his manager is also the co-star who's very, very awkward. It's uh, Richard Ayoade. 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 I, I looked it up. And I love the way he talks. Yeah. <laughs> so what but he's amazes me. Really, really awkward. <laughs> Look out. Dean Lerner. This has the best bad acting yes. I've ever seen in my entire yeah. life. Bad acting is hard to do. Yeah. But he nails it. This is my discovery of Matt Berry. And I'm like, the way this guy oh. is making his voice sound is brilliant. Not knowing that's how Matt Berry really... S he can do good acting, but he's just doing very, very good. Like, <laughs> I'm pretending I have a voice 40 years older than me. Uh <laughs> yeah. And I love that he's, like, almost... I think he's, like, always dubbed, but yeah. he's just dubbed by Matt Berry. So you think that that's not his real voice. But no, that's his real voice. It is. If you've seen, you know, What We Do in the Shadows or, or Toast of London, oh. uh, which a lot of these guys also worked on or pop up on Toast of London, which... Yes, oh, I've so seen good. those shows, Diana Fandango. <laughs> <laughs> but can we listen to that bad acting real quick? Oh, it's so good. Dean's not an actor. I warned Garth. Um, I said, I'm not an actor. And um, he said, I'll always remember this, that he didn't want an act. He wanted the truth. So um, here is uh, Dean Lerner playing Thornton Reed, not putting on an act, but putting on the truth. Listen up, ladies, we've got a situation. A little lass has just cracked a nut, and if she croaks, my ass is grass. That was Thornton Reed, my boss, head of the department, a bull buster. But then he had to answer to Wonton. She's here on the express say-so of Wonton, a star pupil, you might say, and one that Dark Place has high hopes for. So far, I've given her some looks at and that seems to have helped, but she said she's having visions. Dude, the... the the microphone ambience changes from shot to shot. The the things they had to probably get the BBC to unlearn to film their show is so fucking brilliant. And and because it's only six episodes, it never outstays its welcome. And I hope they never follow it up. Oh, really? I'd love to see Dark Place 2. I mean, follow it up later where it's yeah. set in 2004 and go all the badness of 2004. <laughs> like this was showing the badness of the 80s. Uh What's fascinating to me is the week this show ends, Stephen King's Kingdom Hospital premieres. <laughs> I, did they know that was in the works? Is that a coincidence? Oh, I I can't imagine because like this, I'm sure this was in the hopper well before that. Well before that. It must have been. And there's always a Stephen, there's always a failed Stephen King project in the works somewhere doing something but dark place there's nothing quite like it very well observed for a very specific thing what if stephen king sucked uh, <laughs> here's a here's an 80s version of that as he reflects on it in the modern day and uh, yeah i was reading it wasn't very popular in england like i uh, it, it it but it became popular slowly on dvd and as it got exported and available online anybody listening to this this might Hmm. It can't be higher than the critic. It might be higher than Monster, Gareth Marenghi's Dark wow. Place. It's just yeah. it's just so silly. And not a monster. I understand 
most people aren't going to want to watch that. Sit on, sit down, honey, and throw on the popcorn. We're going to watch the Eileen Warno story. But uh, but you're, everyone listening to this knows enough about the medium to get a kick out of this. Yeah. It is for you. <laughs> it is for you. And last I checked, they were like all on YouTube. Uh, They're all on one. YouTube. That's where I watch them. Okay, fantastic. In oh. good definition, too, which is rare for YouTube. Because <laughs> they were what? shot in bad definition. If that's a thing. <laughs> Does anybody else have any bad definition DVDs out there? BD DVDs? Uh, and then we can move on to the games of 2004. Uh, Echo Beyond Night for PS2. That's a big shrug for me. Mm. And, but Auto Modelista, you might not love the gameplay, but the visuals will last forever. A cel-shaded licensed Gran Turismo game. Looks beautiful. Still looks really good. <laughs> looks I mean, cell shaded was the way to go in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. It still holds up in a way the others does not. And uh, you know what else holds up? Puerto Rico. The it Commonwealth does. and so, the board game. Puerto Rico is one of the most popular board games of the 21st century. It's won a whole bunch of awards. Uh, you play a Spanish colonial governor in the early days of Puerto Rico and you build plantations. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring <laughs> in people to work on those plantations. Now you bring them, huh? Lure what them? type of people it's never stated in the game, but many players get uncomfortable with this game, even though it's very popular because the time and setting and board games are like a lot of other media. They try to change with the time. So what they did is they revamped this game. Almost all the uh, play styles and dynamics are the same. And they released Puerto Rico 1897, when you are set in a brief period of Puerto Rico's independence, where you are working your own far- small farm. So you, if you are uncomfortable with the mechanics which are probably slavery it's never outright stated in the game but given the time frame you're probably bringing in slaves mm-hmm. if that makes you uncomfortable you have a more modern version that removes that element from it so you can play it comfortably if you want okay. i i don't want to sound too ignorant for the one of the most popular board games of the 21st century this is the absolute first i have ever heard of it I might steer clear. <laughs> I don't want to get the slave it's one. It's good. <laughs> I played it with my good friend, Glenn. We played it all the time. It's a real screw your neighbor game. Mm. You choose which is going to be the next task, and everyone has to do that task. And if you choose the order in a way, you can really e- e- mess up someone else's board. Mm. Well, yeah. I'll see and whenever we did that, we always went, hello, neighbor. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Currently, I'm leading the uh, leaderboards in our local Russian roulette team. So as long as, yeah, I should be able to make some time for this. Should I not lose? Not funny enough to close the show, but maybe Sugar Sugar and Baby Bash can help me out with that. Uh, where's this song come from, Dime? The charts, it's obviously. On, on the charts this mm-hmm. week. Well, yeah, I mean, I could have gone through the You Got Served uh, soundtrack, but none of them really jumped out at me. This one did. Also, Baby Bash. <laughs> baby Bash. <laughs> I know he's Baby Bash. But it sounds like the guy just really fucking hates babies. And he's going to tell you <laughs> okay, baby all the different ways that babies suck. He's going to serve them babies because it's on. All right. So not the not the glow spinoff I was looking for. So we'll close out with Sugar Sugar by Baby Bash. But don't go anywhere. One more segment and we'll be done. Sugar Sugar, you get so fine. Sugar.
Mr. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watch it. And for the week of January 26th through February 1st, a bunch of really, really easy recommendations. Let's go all the way back to 80 years ago this week. Saw the release of Alfred Hitchcock's Lifeboat, one of my favorite of his movies where he is in an enclosed space. Just like Rope or Rear Window, this movie entirely takes place in a lifeboat. A bunch of dudes are in a boat or they were on a ship it got sunk by the germans during world war ii and all these passengers are stuck in a lifeboat to the bankhead william bendix young hume cronin i if he was ever young this is as young as you're probably going to see him uh, it's from 1944 turning 80 this week and it's just an interesting movie of all the the power dynamics and going back and forth and even though you are stuck in this one boat you never feel stuck it's it's just really interesting i yeah really like it and it's usually put somewhere in the middle of Hitchcock's filmography because he has so many incredible ones, but uh, I think it, it definitely deserves a watch. And then going to 60 years ago this week, world's easiest recommend Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, uh, one of the darkest black comedies ever made. And Stanley Kubrick didn't make a lot of comedies, so of course his is going to be all about how... Um, Men not getting laid are going to kill us all. That's what it is. Uh, Peter Sellers in a couple different parts. George C. Scott eating all the scenery. Sterling Hayden. My God, he can flare his nostrils like nobody's business. If you've not ever seen Dr. Strangelove, I feel like the first time you see it, you're going to be like, Duff, did I just watch? Was that a comedy? What, why is everyone acting so crazy? And then sometimes it's the second time around you realize, oh, nuclear weapons are about dicks that's pretty much it uh there is one one woman who has one line in it and the rest of the time they're in the war room where you can't fight because it's the war room oh my god i love dr strange love so much and then 50 years ago this week we have a rare tv movie i want to throw in here but it did get a theatrical release everywhere else and has an incredible reputation the autobiography of miss jane Pittman uh aired on tv in 1974 and this is back when TV movies were not serious. Really? They were kind of dramas or spectacles or ripped from the headlines. Not as much as in the 80s, but in the 70s, TV movies were definitely a lesser form of entertainment. This is one of the first ones that is about something serious. It's an adaptation of the novel, and it's about uh, a woman and her life story. She's hitting 110 years old as the civil rights era is starting, and she's looking back on her life uh, first in slavery and then coming out of slavery and sharecropping and uh, all, you know, her her life is this huge swath of American history. And Cicely Tyson is in it, who's incredible and has really good makeup for the time. Really good. I think it's Stan Winston and Rick Baker worked on the makeup, like two, two of the best. And uh, yeah, you can, you can see it now as a film, you know, I think it was so successful, that's how they got Roots off the ground, which was a landmark a couple years later. So, autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, I had to watch it in school, and I was the only person who liked it. Because we were a bunch of dirtbag teenagers who would rather be listening to Dookie right now. So, that's it for this week. Stay classic.
Coming to 2014 with Holding for Life by Broken Bells off of After the Disco. Woo, baby. Ten years ago. Welcome to the final segment of 302010. Other new album releases released between January 26th and February 1st include Cavalier Youth by Yumi at Six, uh, Thrive by Casting Crowns, Cross by David Crosby, uh, Ready to Fly by Jamie Grace, Held in Splendor by Quilt and Dead by Young Fathers, Timber by Pitbull featuring Kesha is still number one. <clears throat> yeah, still. And then a movie, or not movies, not yet. Ooh, you got to wait for that. You got to wait for that, Lollipops. It's time to, for a little bit of news from 10 years ago, including scientists discover how to convert normal cells into stem cells in mice. Every time I see one of these news stories 10 years ago, I'm like, shouldn't this have fixed everything? No, because stem cells are important, but, you know, they got overhyped during the culture wars. They were not being harvested from uh, aborted babies. Why did I collect all those fetuses then? Can I throw them away? It's been long enough. <laughs> and because they do have a lot of value, people were like, this will save everything. We should really do this. And then when we were able to clone them, it it helps. It does. It's not nothing, but it's not, you know, a magic cure-all. Mm-hmm. Not the cure for everything. Yeah. Not whatever yeah. science they're developing in that movie that sucks. The thing that'll cure all diseases. It's called <laughs> love. And also, <laughs> don't laugh because we got to talk about the Syrian civil war. Because their oh, death God. toll has reached 130,000, and four million people are displaced. It's true. Uh, yeah, this is uh, up there with the bloodiest wars of the 21st century. Um, it's probably close to half a million dead. It's still going on to this very day. Mm. So yes, mm-hmm. but... and really doesn't get much coverage compared to a lot of other events, even though it's much bloodier. Mm. Yeah. But that's probably because it's true. still going on. We can't make Ken Burns series about it. Yeah, it's still going on. It folds into like ISIS and it folds into a lot of things. And, and people take civil wars less seriously, even though this is kind of a regional conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people don't care so much when you, one guy is killing his own people. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's depressing. It sucks. Uh, fuck Assad there. All right, fuck Assad seems like a great way to transition. Continue to fuck Netanyahu, by the way. I'm just Ah, throwing that one out. What amazes me is he was a dentist. Yeah. He he was pulled from basically a middle-class American lifestyle to become a dictator. They were like, well, your dad's dead. Do you want to leave being a dentist and become a dictator? And he was like, you know what? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. And he's ruled it for, you know, quarter of a century now. Well, all right, let's roll on into the movie. Up for dentist. Of 2014. Ooh. I don't have to be an anti-dentite. I, yeah, I, t- I saw what... a marathon, man. I don't trust him, dentist. Except mine, she's lovely. Do what I do. Work for yourself <laughs> and never get dental insurance. You'll never yeah. see a dentist again, unless it's at the <laughs> library. Uh, <laughs> movies of 2014, January 26th through February 1st. Right along is still number one. I, w- I wanted to check this out on paper so bad, and then I looked at it and like, oh boy, no. Kadeem Hardison, Randy Wayne, Charles Dutton, Rock, and Michael Jai White, an android cop. A rip-off movie? Because we have RoboCop coming out soon, and this is yeah, a mockbuster. Exactly. I thought, why are they ripping off RoboCop now? now? Oh, two weeks from now we get to talk RoboCop. That's yeah. why. Believe it or not, it's Okay. You watched Android Cop? I watched wow. Android Cop. Now, wow. 
here's the thing. <laughs> I do not see what the market is for an okay action film when you've got a bajillion big budget action films that will blow this out of the water because this is, you know, it's fine. It's workmanship. There's it's not horribly bad. It's not great, but it is okay. I just don't know who will spend their time watching an okay action it, film like this when there are so many much huger budgeted action films the, the that you could Buster, watch with the same amount of money and time. The Mockbuster even 10 years ago, because like the Mockbusters exist because like, do you want more of this thing you can't have more of? Or are you dumb enough to mistake this for the thing you actually wanted to watch? Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen. That's not happening 10 years ago. But Michael Jai White has built quite a following for himself just for being awesome and Black Dynamite, among other things. Yeah. Deeply cares about action-y martial arts films and ridiculous comedies. I gotta see Outlaw Johnny Black or whatever it's called. But um won't hear me talking shit on that guy. Uh up up next, what did uh Diana called Young Adult, one of her favorite movies of the whole decade? Oh let's watch a man go into movie jail in real time. <laughs> well, it just what Jason did he do? What did he do in between Young Adult and Ghostbusters revitalizing his dad's Ghostbusters franchise? Yes. And this is what we have. Clark Gregg, Gatlin Griffith, Josh Brolin, and Kate Winslet in Labor Day. An inmate escaped this morning. Just know that there's more to this story than you see in that paper there. I won't let anything happen to my son. I don't doubt that. This January, only one movie will inspire you. Move you. I thought my love had run out. I came to save you, Adele. And remind you that love can set you free. I'd give my life just to have another three days with you. Labor Day, rated PG-13 in theaters. January. Just don't confuse it with those <sighs> like uh, Gary, what's his name's Valentine's Day, New Year's Day movies. <laughs> that, that would have been more interesting. Yeah, Jason Reitman is a, a director I found fascinating. Yeah. I love Thank You for Smoking. Juno, up in the air, young adult. He is fucking on my wavelength. Mm. I love it. And then... He does this, and then he does a couple more movies, and then he takes over. Um, Now, this is an adaptation of a book by Joyce Maynard, a person who's more interesting than her books, (laughs) because Joyce Maynard had an affair with J.D. Salinger when she was like 18, 19, and he was like 53, and (laughs) she written about it and jd salinger sounds like a very fucked up individual and she also wrote to die for which is fucking great yes i love that 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 movie is awesome this is like bridges of madison county but bad Mm. and fundamentally flawed okay this is about a mother falling in love with an escaped convict who holds her son hostage and threatens him in front of her over the course of a weekend. Now, there are fucked up people in the world who would absolutely do that, but Kate Winslet is not playing a character that messed up. If, (laughs) If she should have far more wrong with her, where she's willing to just, like... He's a confessed double murderer. He murdered his wife and his 
young child. And yes, we see in a flashback that maybe there's more to this story than what he were told. Kate Winslet's character never learns that. As far as she knows, this escaped murderer is a person she is ready to run away with, yeah. with her son, who he had threatened two days ago. Stockholm Syndrome generally doesn't turn into yeah. marriage. That's, that's a, you're making a really good point about what casting can and can't do. Because Kate Winslet always comes across as very intelligent. And she seems too fucking smart for to fall for this bullshit. Conversely, it's also Josh Brolin. And I defy you. I defy you. To, oh. <laughs> to remain if chaste. He's when he's my child. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll say this as a barely bisexual man. He can he can fret my child all day long. Let's get in there. <laughs> Let's. Okay. Now, granted, my child is a Chihuahua mix who's an asshole. So <laughs> yeah, my cat sucks. actually like maybe it would work. Out. I. Mm, yeah. This was just like it. It felt like. Why are you doing like, this? Why are you going yes, from... why are you doing it? It felt Hallmark movie. Why are you going from like, making why? thoroughly original adult movies that I've never seen depicted on screen before into making something I feel like I've seen depicted a billion times before? Yeah. Especially, like, in yeah. decades earlier. Why did we need this now? <laughs> I really don't know it also a little bit reminded me of a perfect world that we yeah. talked about which yeah, was totally. so much better than i remembered it being and then i was watching this and i was like oh well you know how you fix this movie <laughs> well i can't say because i'm biased uh james brolin kevin costner and i are both wearing the same costume today it's a ah. classy white t-shirt that i got taco mm -hmm. bell sauce on and can only wear it <laughs> podcasting with you guys labor oh, day like i don't you. know of any fans of it it, it, it which sucks that I, I was so in on Jason Reitman and yep. yeah <laughs> and then lastly a movie I did not see but semi wished I had uh, Jessica Lucas Mackenzie Davis Imogene Poots Michael B. Jordan Miles Teller Zac Efron that awkward moment that's the title of the movie every awkward moment I'm breaking up with you I need somebody who doesn't drink coffee out of the cereal bowl could lead to something are you falling for it? no man I think you are you never expected did you post a funny video on Ellie's wall no <laughs> that awkward moment rated R oh well, yes um, this is a romantic comedy aimed at dudes it is it's a rom-com told through three dudes perspective and it's trying to do that which I give it credit for. I, yeah. That's, and that's what, you know, being a guy still out there dating, but it's also like the, like, what are we? Oh my God. It's going to be so awkward to discuss dating in my forties. Nothing is awkward to discuss. Like, if we feel like if, if somebody feels like bailing on a date, they do it. If you feel like going home with someone in the first hour of a date, you do it. If you feel like being, making it exclusive, it's a sentence. I don't get it. That's what I don't get. Well, you're not in your 20s. It's true. Um, yeah, these are dudes in their 20s. It's true. It's true. But that's, <laughs> yeah. that, that's once I saw the Red Band trailer, I'm like, really? Like this much of an issue? Oh, whatever. To, to have those kind of options yeah. again. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate the idea of, yes, let's make a rom-com for dudes from the dudes' perspectives. Only like the all the plot... Like, I, I feel stupid complaining that the plots are cliched because it's a rom-com and there's only so many things you can do to get from point A to point B. Okay. There were a couple of jokes I laughed at. You know, it does get kind of raunchy. 
That, that was fun. Are you the taking a piss of, upside you know, down in a, with a Viagra <laughs> yeah. boner? You take Viagra in a boner, but you have to piss, and so you have to lay down on top of, yeah. <laughs> on top of the toilet like you're Superman. You're like you're 69ing the toilet. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I laughed at the, that whole se- sequence. <laughs> They're like, hey, this is kind of fun. <laughs> you, were gonna, you thought I was going to see that awkward moment when you have an accidental Fantastic Four reunion. Because, mm. <laughs> yes. oh, yeah, yeah, Torch and Mr. Fantastic are in this film. Uh, there you go, yeah, mm. so yeah, mm. it's not great, but again, it's not mm. horrible either. Mm. Um, no, yeah, I, I, as usual, my standard for bad movies did it. Do I feel like I wasted my time like 25%? Mm. Not, not a recommend, but I'm not angry about it, yeah. Um, it's, like, I thought they right. it's not for me. Maybe it's for someone else, though. Oh, I thought they could have improved the basic thrust because they all have a bet that or uh, where, hey, we're going to stay single and uncommitted. And there's no stakes to the bet. Like there's right. nothing at risk of the bet. And that just seemed a little flat to me. Like there needed to be some better reason they were all trying to hide their serious relationships from each other. And I yeah. think you could workshop that in like an hour or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this movie's forgotten for a reason. 2014 television, 26th of Ju- Ju- January, Jesus, February 1st. Uh, Grammys, we got Grammys. Who wants yep. to know what disappointing album LL Cool J handed an award to? Oh, it's not a disappointing no? album, man. No, Daft Punk Random Access Memories. Hey, that's a fun one. And Get, Get Lucky is is a big winner there. I was a little um, hurt to see that anniversary edition of that. Even though I should have saw it coming, I saw the anniversary edition of that album just the other day. Like, really? Yep. And uh, Best New Artist is Macklemore and Ryan Lewis beating James Blake, Kendrick Lamar, Casey Musgraves, and Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Um, the There's- only viral thing i remember out of this is they perform same love and queen latifah presides over a mass wedding during it wow <laughs> it was kind of fun it's pretty dope uh yeah is okay royals win song of the year all right um yeah random access memories do, does really well i'm gonna look to see who won a comedy for you mm. kathy griffin calm down girl kathy griffin uh welcome back i've heard she was i saw an article she's been uncanceled and like no one ever canceled her <laughs> well some people did yeah well the people who don't like comedy um yes, yes. So then also this week oh my god how i met your mother marks its 200th episode with a twist uh different perspective explain this jr so it's told through the father's perspective this entire run the previous 199 episodes are all told through ted's perspective the 200th episode we see everything through the mother's perspective who has been the background force throughout the entire run of the series so far mm. mm-hmm. and uh yes that's all i have on that can i tell you just share with you and this is dumb but this is personal community is a great show we all know that Troy's last episode, geothermal escapism, didn't even come back for a finale. So, Jesus, I think yeah. that movie is cursed, but uh, we'd really like to see Troy again. Cause, I, I miss the key cast of Community. I know that's yep. a basic opinion, but that's when everything clicked. Yep. And Troy leaving, never it's to be of... seen again after this, 
really hurts the series. Mm -hmm. You know, he and Abed had such amazing chemistry together the whole time that uh, once he left, once Chevy Chase left, just didn't feel as right as it did. But to be fair, already at this point, geothermal escapism is the lava episode. Uh, The floor is lava. It feels so much like a retread of the paintball episode. It is, it like is, they are just the, trying to capture that paintball magic so hard that it's a little try-hardy. I, I mm. still not only very much liked it because we are seeing, well, let's be honest, the best couple in community, Troy and Abed, find a yeah. way to say goodbye to one another through a shared delusion. And But I captured this clip because I rewatched it, I think, during covid Full shots, and by the rewatch, I mean it played nonstop for like two days <laughs> while I did stuff. This is the hardest I've laughed. I laughed during that rewatch because I didn't expect the line. Chang is dressed up like like Rufio with a team of Mad Max locker boys because if you've seen a paintball community episode, something drastic happens that turns the school into a very real and sincere war zone. This being uh, Abed's giving away a $50,000 comic book. The floor is lava. Last one living gets the 50 grand. Everyone's walking around on chairs. Somehow Hickey gets a Zamboni, little lawnmower in there. The locker boys perched in the lockers, taunting everyone who walks down the hallway. What am I getting from this extra level of commitment? We're getting your chairs, your food, and the names of your same-sex celebrity crushes. Everyone has one, don't lie. Then you're free to go. Into lava. Stand down or meet your doom, Chang. You're in no position to make threats, Floor Strider. Our truce ended when you banished us from the payphone bench. You used that bench to upset the balance. By the vapors of Magmarath, we will restore it. You have gods? Lacky boys! Earn your MM! Locker boys earn your M and M's. That is my favorite community. Two hours, they invent a new religion in society (laughs) and earned turned M and M's into currency. (laughs) Locker boys earn your M and M's with Ken Jong dressed like Rufio. Please watch Community if you haven't already. And then, uh, lastly, in television for the first time in 19 years, Bob Saget, John Stamos, and Dave Coulier reprise their full house roles and appear on Late Night. To give Jimmy Fallon a sappy, heartfelt speech to calm his anxiety about hosting the Tonight Show. Oh, I, I don't remember this at all. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. You know, it, play this clip and mm-hmm. tell me when you hear something funny. What's going on? Yeah, we just heard uh, some sad yet sappy, heartwarming music. Is everything all right? Yeah, Jimmy's just a little scared about leaving late night. Jimmy, I, I know how you feel, but there's nothing to be afraid of. I host a talk show, too. You probably heard of it. Wake up, San Francisco! It's not the same as a laugh. Look, Jimmy, I think what Danny's trying to say is that everything is going to be fine. It is? Of course. I mean, you're leaving late night, but listen, you're taking over The Tonight Show. Do you have any idea how cool that is? Yeah, only five people in history have ever hosted The Tonight Show, Jimmy. Comedy legends like Johnny Carson. It's so cold, I, uh, I saw a dog stuck to a fire hydrant. <laughs> Uh, Jay Leno, have, uh, have you seen this in the paper? Popeye the Sailor drowns in olive oil. <laughs> Popeye, 
Why do you have to always find some way to work in Popeye? Hey, that's the that's what <laughs> that's what Adam says about me with every podcast we're on. I have found a way to work in Popeye. It's not my fault. He always brings up Donkey Kong. It's an easy in, and yeah, that's that's more it's expected. Jimmy Fallon cameo, uh, one of a kind cameos trumping comedy. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. His uh, well, his first first tonight show will be in two weeks, a little over two weeks. And if you haven't seen it, it will be a parade of celebrity appearances instead of jokes. And yep. <laughs> but no, Paul Newman yelling, "Where the hell are the singing cats?" Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, video games, twenty fourteen. I thought this is exciting, and I can't call it the first crowdfunded game, but. I think the most crowdfunded game at the time to release at that point when crowdfunding was really new, patreon.com slash laser time, Broken Age, a return to adventure game form for, for Tim Schafer and Double Fine with a huge, huge fun cast. I never finished the game, but it was really charming. Uh, starring Elijah Wood. makes amazing games. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they really have a great niche in the marketplace. And the like the only truly funny games. Like, very, very yeah. funny games. Uh, Broken Age is still worth a play. Uh, as is Octodad Dadliest Catch from 10... <laughs> I cannot believe that's 10 years old. <laughs> okay, so listeners, if you're not familiar, you play an octopus masquerading as a human father, and you have to walk around without revealing your true identity to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you're not, you are an octopus in human clothes. <laughs> it's wonderful. Walking is not easy. Uh, it's, I'm just looking at pictures of him. He's so funny looking. <laughs> Dadliest catch is still makes me smile every time I see the logo. It's awesome. That's great. It is awesome. And with that out of the way, patreon.com slash laser time. It's how you can crowdfund us. Five bucks. Uh, I'll give you a ton of other shows. New stuff coming all the time. Gremlins. Then we got Terminator. Terminator. I love talking about Terminator with uh, with Steve and uh, Jr. Because uh, Terminator is such an important film and so different compared to everything Terminator is now. Very, very good. And uh, yeah, I really want them to reboot it as a gritty film with mm-hmm. some of those robots from Boston Dynamics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I can see those things tearing me limb from limb. This guy might be somebody someday. And then a four-legged robot just stomps on me all cutely. (laughs) Uh, Diana, what about you? Well, you can find me on Blue Sky at Listenerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D. Coming up next week. Oh, we we have some really good ones next week. First of all, we have the aforementioned musical that was cut into not a musical, um, which... Mm -hmm kind of ended the run of uh, nonstop winners from a certain filmmaker. We also have oh dear god, a film is, people say, oh you could make Blazing Saddles today. You a million percent couldn't make this Gerard Depardieu movie today. Ooh. Oh, With no. Catherine Heigl. Baby Catherine Heigl. Mm. Um, let's see. Oh, we have uh, we're back to the barbershop. We're getting inspirational ice skating speeches from Kirk, du- Kirk Douglas, that'd be amazing. Kurt Russell. Joe Pick. <laughs> uh, and two, I'm very interested in talking about one of them, the beginning of the utter domination by Jim Carrey. Mm, hell yeah. Oh, oh the one with the troublesome ending, but a movie I have never seen in its, in its entire day. What? And I am going to watch it. 
Oh, I know. I know. I've avoided it. Yeah. And if that weren't enough, everything is awesome. <laughs> everything wow. is cool when you're part of a team. Everything <laughs> is, is awesome. Wow, that's 10. Oh, my you're God. You're living a dream. Oh. And if that wasn't enough, we're also going to get a rare look into the parts of Star Trek that we rarely see. This episode is so title is so popular that it is an entire series today. Wow, all right. Kirk Cameron will make his CD-ROM debut. <laughs> Clear your schedule, everyone. <laughs> Some student at Harvard makes a website. I don't know. Oh, yeah. And Jay Leno walks away from late night TV for the final time. Oh, okay, good. Mm. Something good comes out of this Jimmy Fallon sketch. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yes, it's well, it's all about balance, you see. Now, with that out of yeah. the way, Diana, who died? Because there's a real tragic one right off the top. Oh, oh man. Well, in 1994, we lost. I'm guessing one of your favorite writers of all time, Pierre Boulle. Never read he's anything 81. he's written, but I love him to death. <laughs> He is famous for two books, Bridge on the River Kwai and Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Same I have, guy. I have two posters on my wall and have for years that were created by this man's brain. Monkey Planet, Planet of yep. the Apes. I've read Bridge over the River Kwai. It's mm-hmm. a good book. Mm. It's based on his experience. I think he was in Singapore working like as a spy and he was captured and he was put to work. In a POW camp by the Japanese. So. What have I done? <laughs> yes. What have I done? What have I done? <laughs> um, and also in 1994, we lost William Levitt, builder of Levittown, who is 86. He is responsible for why suburbs suck so much. Mm. He developed in his lifetime, developed, built, sold more than 140,000 houses. Wow. Wow. That were covenant restricted, so you couldn't give them to black people and sometimes to ah. Jewish people, even though William Levitt was Jewish. Jesus. Yeah. Back in the day, you could do that. You could say, oh, yeah, no, you buy this house, but you, you can't sell it to those people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think ne- negative on William Levitt, personally, yeah. but it was just me. Um, then in 2004... He was kind of just mentioned, Jack Parr, yeah. who is 85. Host of The Tonight Show, second, second one. The second host of The Tonight Show, but the one who turned it into The Tonight Show. Steve mm. Allen was kind of doing a Steve Allen thing. Everyone says Jack Parr is the one who kind of perfected the kind of late-night talk show that we are used to to this day. Then, mm. I'm not even done. <laughs> 2014, we lost Colonel Meow, who was only two. He had heart problems. <laughs> oh, no. But he, he briefly held the Guinness record for having the longest fur as a cat. Wow. Um, but he was also an incredibly angry looking kitty. And uh, people would put him in a lot of Soviet memes about how they must, you know, crush the capitalists for Colonel Meow. <laughs> <laughs> and I encourage you to look him up because he's a very angry cat. <laughs> then, okay, this one sucks. Maximilian Schell, who's 83. This came as a revelation to me. He was in... Uh, Judgment at Nuremberg, he's probably best known for the the version of Hamlet they make fun of on Mystery Science Theater. He's the dad in Deep Impact. And reading up on him, I found out that just last year, his niece accused him of sexually abusing her when she Ooh. was a child. And then his daughter confirmed it happened to her, too. So fuck you, Maximilian Schell. Yeah, I didn't 
I, you're, you're dead, but I'm me too in you anyway. Right on. I'm still not done. <laughs> Arthur Rankin of Rankin and Bass, who's 89. We lost him in 2014. Yeah, he lost you his know, partner almost 10 years later. Yeah. I, I, I think know, we always think those know. people are still dead, even though they're not, or they weren't, even though everyone else involved in their productions has been dead for a very long time. Obviously, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty and... Cricket on the Hearth. What, cri- what Christmas looks down. like, man. Yep. It's what Christmas looks like. And, and, I, and I respect them for making this wonderful mm-hmm. little cottage business out of making holiday specials. They never had a successful series and they never had a successful movie. They constantly made things for television that people loved for decades. Neat. Do you know how rare it is to make something that stays yeah. in the public conscious for 60 years? For the yeah. last 60 years, there's never been one year that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer has not been watched by millions of people. It's true, but it is sort of the first. Mm. Mr. Magoo yeah. is first, and followed by Charlie Brown and Rudolph, which has then made Christmas specials a thing that happened. So they're all... Magoo fell away. The first... Sort of the first two stuck around. Mm. They get no... And mm. finally... <laughs> finally done I'm, with the deaths. This is like the most deaths we ever have in a oh week. Uh, it's when we lost folk legend Pete Seeger, Pete who's 94. He was... Um, protest songs folk music he was blacklisted uh because he was a socialist slash maybe a communist sometimes banned from um, cbs smothers brothers he, oh yeah mm-hmm. uh because well because he was so anti-war no mm-hmm. big surprise and then he played with springsteen at obama's inauguration that made me really happy wow they did not just my land is your land but the verses against private ownership of property and everyone sang along <laughs> Wow. <laughs> like did all the verses that you don't actually know <laughs> he would tell everyone what the next line was and then then you could sing it yeah uh i pete seeger i mean kind of taken the mantle from uh woody guthrie uh, as being like you know the chronicler of folk heroism and working man music hmm. yeah i i ended up listening to a whole bunch of pete seeger and prep this <laughs> is like oh that's right he did that too but it was tough to pick one, though, because so many of them are like, these are sing-along songs for kids now. Like, if I had a hammer, how how protesty is that? Very! <laughs> anyway. Well, with those out of the way, what do we got, JR? We have the birthday quiz. Turning 70 years old, born in Costco, Mississippi, in a Costco in Mississippi. <laughs> Executive member, or gold member. O S C I U S K O. That's less exciting. Huh. January 29, 1954. To a teenage mother oh. uh, who uh, never married uh, her father. Her father was a coal miner turned barber turned city councilman who was in the armed forces when she was born wow. not loretta lynn <laughs> okay a genetic test in 2006 determined that her matrilineal line originated in the capelli ethnic group in the area that is today liberia she is 89 percent sub-saharan african eight percent native american and three percent east asian Why did that make me after hungry? After her birth, her mother traveled uh, north, where she lived in rural poverty, uh, and she was given to her maternal grandmother. Uh, is it she was Eileen so Wardos because she has the same story, as far as I can tell. 
<laughs> nope. Okay, good. She was so poor that she wore dresses made out of potato sacks, which the other children made fun of. Lisa Simpson. Ooh. No. No. <laughs> Not her, Dolly Parton. Uh, Dolly Parton. Her but... grandfather taught her to read before the age of three and took her to the local church where she was nicknamed the preacher for her ability to recite Bible verses. Is this woman Sam Kinison? No. Damn. <laughs> she landed a radio job while still in high school. By 19, she was a co-anchor for the local evening news. Oh, All... is it Oprah? It is Whoa. Oprah. <laughs> Man, never would have got that with a 3% Asian. No. Nope. Oh. <laughs> Uh, although not primarily known as a film actor, mm -hmm. she was in Color Purple, The Love, The Butler, Selma, Wrinkle in Time, Mortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, Greenleaf, and The Oprah Conversation. Mm. She is fantastic in The Color Purple. I kind of wish she had just gone into acting, but I know there's not a lot of roles that good. Mm. But... Oh my God, she's so good in that. <laughs> and I, I haven't know. seen the new one yet. I'm I'm curious. Yeah. That is that is so odd that she didn't pursue a movie career knowing what she was about to do was so much more lucrative. I prefer an <laughs> empire. <laughs> yeah. Well, she was doing like a TV, yeah TV broadcasting. Well, yeah. I mean, not, her, her first not movie show. role was when she was already famous. Yeah. You know, by the yeah. time she was cur color of. The cur color purple, mm -hmm. she was already, you know, the biggest thing in daytime talk. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. Happy B Day, yep. Oprah. Yeah. Um, Her talk show has caused a lot of grief to a lot of people. I think that's why I wish she had just acted because mm. she is so good. It's like you can't be good uh, at everything. And uh, she is. <laughs> Damn it. I wonder what has been the talk show that did the most good in the world. Hmm. Because I mean, uh, like, yeah, she it. also did, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I mean, no, she also did a lot of good for a lot of things, but did a lot of bad, spreading a lot of, you know, not necessarily satanic panic, but all kinds of panics about the what the kids are up to these days. Yeah, and and worst of all, she put a copyright strike on my YouTube channel for uploading the Simpsons animation they made exclusively for her Oprah show. They own it, and Fox, oh. she owns it, and Fox doesn't. How dare she? Also, considering how ubiquitous she has been for so long, it is kind of mind-blowing she's 70. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, I would have... Jesus. Jesus My God. All right. <laughs> Yay. Oprah is our you, new Jesus. Oprah. Learn to love it, She people. is our new Jesus, and that, that's okay. Mm -hmm. All right, so we're going out with Pete Seeger. I'm forcing this, too, because I'm such a goddamn socialist. Well, pick the so, song, because I don't know any of them. You don't know Goodnight Irene or Where Have All the Flowers Gone or If I Had a Hammer? Come oh, on. You, you know, know If I Had a Hammer. There's no way you don't know that. I, if I had a hammer, I'd hammer, hammer in, the in the morning. I'm really, really all I can think of is They Might Be Giants or, or a preschool song. Um, all right. Well, we're going with that then. Yeah. Because most people can, can sing along song. with it because they're not Chris. Yeah. So. <laughs> Tasteless Weirdo, your host, Chris Antista. Um, all right, we'll close out with that. Pizza, uh, R.I.P. Pete Seeger. Happy birthday, Oprah. If I had a hammer, we'll take us out. Patreon.com slash laser time. We'll see you next week. Bye. If I had a bell, I'd ring it in the morning. I'd ring it in the evening. All over this land, I'd ring out.
out danger, I'd ring out a warning. I'd ring out a love between my brothers and my sisters. Oh, 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 oh. 